Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 57 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Raj Dolachahi, and my two wonderful co-pilots for this evening's dark and gritty <laughs> adventure, <laughs> the one and only Carlos Buarguayo and Les Gonzalez. Thank so, you. <laughs> I didn't even let you fuck it up, Les. I like that, dude. I didn't even let you fuck it up. <laughs> this week... We are very, very happy because we have a very special guest host, and I don't even want to call him a guest anymore because he's not a guest. He's pretty much a part of our Sithless family here. The man known as the Star Wars Beard of Knowledge. The man who loves furry little creatures. No, I'm not talking about Boo. <laughs> I, meant, I meant Porgs. He is the host of two Making Star Wars podcasts, Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, and Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. We are proud to call him our friend, Mr. Haas Burkhart. Hey, buddies. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Channeling the weasel. <laughs> exactly. The weasel. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't heard Polly Short in a long time. Nobody has. Nobody has. Oh, boom, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same mindset. Yeah. yeah. How you doing, Haas? I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are you? We're we're doing good. We doing are good. so happy and stoked that you're mm-hmm. you decided to come on with us, especially after this weekend and it coming out. And uh, we're gonna break down the movie with you. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah! As, <laughs> as well as other geekdom and the week in geek, we're gonna break down a bunch of stuff. But we are very very excited. How's the weather? We heard that you might get piled on tomorrow. So right now it's beautiful, beautiful Alabama afternoon. Um, but it does look like we might get some of the, uh, tropical storm falling out from Irma sometime tomorrow afternoon slash evening. Oh no. Um, so yeah, surprise day off. Hopefully it just doesn't get too bad. What what you got lined up for your surprise day off? You gonna say uh, destiny Two. Yes. <laughs> yes. Les just perked up big time. Uh. Huge fan of destiny. <laughs> Yeah. Huge, huge fan of Destiny. Great I, game to play, dude. I, I got a question for you, Haas. I have friends that live down south in Baton Rouge area in New Orleans also. question I have is they said when there was hurricanes, they would have and, – and, and if they knew there was going to be coming, like an anticipated hurricane, they would have hurricane parties. They would pack a bunch of people in their homes, bring a bunch of food, and just 
have a great time and party until the hurricane was over. Is that something you guys do down there too? Um, well, so growing up in Mississippi, um, I, we got hit by two pretty serious hurricanes, Andrew, when I was really young. And then when I was in college, uh, Katrina. Now, granted, we're about, I was about four hours north of New Orleans at the time. So okay. obviously we didn't get hit as bad as those guys. It's still pretty scary. Um, I have not been to a hurricane party though. Maybe okay. that's a little more prevalent on the coast and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They said they just get family and friends and they just wait it out and party like champs. That's pretty cool. Which is, I guess, is cool. You can be with your family and friends and mm-hmm. shit goes down. I don't want to be too hammered when a hurricane hits, though. <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah. No, so f- no not that. at all. Well, you be safe tomorrow playing Destiny 2. Don't I'll do my best. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Well, let me give you the shenanigans out real quick. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Find us on Twitter at the Sith List, boo. At the Sith List, boo. Less. At Less is More 78. And Haas, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, Blue Harvest Pod. That's right. We're also on Facebook at symbol the Sith List Podcast. We have a hotline that's 707-65-GEEK1, 707-654-3351. And we also have a wonderful Instagram, and it's just the Sith List. Thank you, Andrew Medina, for all mm-hmm. you do with the social media stuff. We really appreciate it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And please leave some iTunes reviews. I know we don't really push this too hard, but it's really important. So if you can leave some iTunes reviews, only if they're good, if they're bad, like I said before, send them to Rebel Force Radio. (laughs) All right. Let's get into the box office. Obviously, we know who was number one. Yep. But, boo, I was Mm. talking to Haas earlier today. Okay. He texted me. Texted me the number, the amount of money that it made. Okay. You don't know how much this is yet, unless you don't know. I have no idea. So before we tell him, Haas, I want you to guess how much. Haas, what would a good horror movie generally make on opening weekend? What is like something successful? So typically, a really successful horror movie is, at at least recently, going to be something that's rated PG-13. So it is actually sort of an outlier Mm -hmm. in this instance. But typically, like a really good horror movie, really successful, you're looking at like, I don't know, 60 to 80. 60 to 80. And that's a really good. Yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. And they were really they were banking on 80 for this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me get less. What do you think this thing made? Seeing the movie myself, I'm going to go ahead and venture that it was probably, I'll say around 120 million. Okay. 95. Okay. Well, right in between, though, it made $116 million. Wow. Right. So it killed it. Wow. It literally surpassed anything they were thinking that it was going to come close to. They were thinking about 80 to 85 million. Mm -hmm. And we knew because we went on opening night, Thursday night, and it was a shit show in the movie theater. Packed. People were trying to switch their 10 o'clock to 1030 because it was too packed. Their 1030s to 12 o'clock because Mm -hmm. the 11 o'clock was too packed. So right then I was like, uh oh, this is going to be a situation. This is going to make a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. And we all saw it, and we're going to talk about it. But we're not going to talk about it just yet. Oh, what it not means. yet. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to hold off just because I know there's people out there that haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about it a little bit later on in the show, on the podcast, so you can listen to all the rest of the Weekend Geek <laughs> until we get to it. And then we're going to spoil the shit out of it later. <laughs> so so if- for a little context, the previous – record holder for highest horror movie opening of a R-rated horror movie Ugh. was Paranormal Activity 3 huh. with 
fifty-two million. Wow. wow. My goodness, it doubled so it, it that. Doubled and then that. Some. Yeah, that's that is incredible. Amazing. That is unbelievable. I mean, it deserves every mm, accolade, every, dollar, yeah. every amount of money it's making. Yeah, every penny. We're going to get definitely. into that in a bit. But it was so. It was number one with one hundred sixteen. Home again, which I don't know what that is. That made mm. nine million dollars. <laughs> nine million it went Jesus. from one sixteen to nine. And is hit. that the uh, Jennifer Lawrence Javier Bardem movie? I keep seeing. No, that, sure. that's YouTube. That, that's Mother. That that's is Mother. Yeah, Mother oh, okay. is that one. Uh, I don't know what Home Again is. I, I'll look that up. But that made nine million dollars, which is you know not a very good week. Nope. And then Hitman's Bodyguard made four million dollars. So <laughs> anybody who went to see movies went and saw it. Yeah, that's right. And I hope there wasn't a lot of kids that went because um, I'm sure there, oh, was. there were kids in the theater when I went to see oh, it. Oh, that's awful. I don't think there were any when we went. No, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. There were young now, people in there, but no kids. Yeah, yeah, no kid kids. No sixth graders at all. Right. Oh, to be fair, my parents would have taken me to see that movie. <laughs> yeah. To be no, fair, yeah, I would have taken me. Too. My mom would have taken me for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I would have done after that. That would. Uh, well, I see how I want to talk about it right now, and I, yeah. I got to. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, we got to curb our enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, but Haas, did you hear on? We talked about it in the podcast a couple of weeks ago that that Austin had a clown only showing of it. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what Boo said. Boo said, uh, "How about if you're in the bathroom as a kid? Yeah, yeah. And you're not there for it, and all of a sudden you see a bunch of clouds taking a piss and shit around you. <laughs> yeah, he gets no, just gonna, thank you. he's gonna die in his own piss and shit. <laughs> right? Like, oh, there it is. Do well, there's when clowns poop. It looks like a balloon animal. Oh <laughs> no! I think it's all rainbow, different colors. And stuff. I, thought it, I thought it would be cotton candy. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Cotton candy is fucking crazy. I, I here's a little story. I. First time I ever had cotton candy, I was you like out cotton candy. No, no, I didn't put out cotton candy, but oh. I was like fourteen or fifteen. Uh-huh. So I, for some odd reason, my parents or I never got—I don't know—it was weird. I never had cotton candy until then, <laughs> and then I had it at a baseball game, and I put it in my mouth, and it freaked me out. That it was melting, or well, it was just gone. Yeah, I couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, pretty—it disintegrates yeah, as soon as it. Yeah. yeah, no, I know it does, but <laughs> just just imagine not having it until you're like fifteen, yeah. and then you put it in your mouth. Yeah, that's kind of weird, man. Cotton, a lot of kids get cotton candy well before their teens. Yeah, I'm going to bring it up to my mom tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you need to confront her about that. <laughs> Why did you hold out on me? Exactly. All right, so there, there is your uh, mojoboxoffice.com. So let's talk a little random schmeals. This is something I, that I was, I'm very excited about. And I know Jason Ward for Making Star Wars is really excited about this because he's a huge fan. Mr. Robot turns into Mr. Mercury. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah, we now have – there was an official look at – Rami Malek's first look, and there was a picture of him as Freddie Mercury and Brian Singer's upcoming Queen biopic. So the 36-year-old actor shows a shocking resemblance to the rock and roll icon. Have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Haas, yeah. did you take a look at this thing? I did. He looks dead on. Yeah, it looks great. I can't mm-hmm. wait for this movie. I love a good music biography. I love Queen. Yep. Can't wait. Yeah, we were blasting Queen yesterday in the car. <laughs> we were rocking out. And I, the, the question that I have here is, I'm very excited about this Queen film. Where does Queen sit in, in the history of the annals of rock and roll? Meaning, are, I think they're underrated, especially in this country. Yes. In the, in the UK, they're not. They're huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the shit over there. But here in the United States, I don't think they get their due. No. There are tons of fans. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they get their due. What do you guys think? Haas? Um... To me, if there was like a classic rock Mount Rushmore, Freddie'd be on that thing, mm-hmm. man. Like 
Queen is one of those bands that my dad introduced me to. And you know when your dad, like when you're a kid and your dad tries to introduce you to music, you're like, oh, I don't know. I'd rather listen to Michael Jackson. At least that was me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But man, Queen stuck. Stuck in a big <laughs> way. <laughs> I'm just right there with you, man. I, I was introduced to him by my brother. And then unfortunately, he passed away. And that really kind of affected me. And they did a huge tribute to him at Wembley Stadium when everybody mm-hmm. got together. And he was one of the first musical stars or stars that died because of AIDS, mm-hmm. the AIDS virus. Yeah, exactly. So that brought a lot of awareness to the situation at the time. Uh, people really got affected because it was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. you know, this is real. This yeah. rock star just got – yeah, exactly. But Queen, man, I, I got to see Queen with Paul Rogers, uh, obviously not with Freddie Mercury, but Paul Rogers from Bad Company took over for about a year or two, and they toured, and he came out. It wasn't the same, but just seeing the other guys out there, right? it was amazing. It was unbelievable. How was – yeah, so it was good. Like uh, I I like Bad Company. You know what I mean? They've yeah. got some really solid songs, but mm-hmm. and he's a great singer, but there's a huge difference between being a great singer and being – Freddie Mercury. <laughs> exactly. So in the back so, of your in the back of your head you always know, you're thinking, God, I wish Freddie was here. Mm-hmm. But right. but you know, when Brian May comes out and just rocks out and does a solo, you you think to your head, okay, at least you have this. And <laughs> and you know, he's Paul Rogers is a showman himself, but not to the extent that Freddie Mercury was. But it was right. still it was still great. I mean, hearing all the songs and they did three or four bad company songs. Uh, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So which was what are you guys' favorite, like one favorite Queen song? Oh, great question. I, I rocked out to it last night. <laughs> um, well, gosh, I, I always get the song name wrong because I always think it's Mr. Fahrenheit, but it's uh, like, Can't Stop Me Now. Yeah. Don't Stop Me Now. Don't Stop Me Now. Don't stop me because I'm having a good time, having a good time. Shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger. I love that song. That's a good one. How about Mine you? is a prophet song. Oh, prophet mm. song! That's one out of yeah. That's a cool, unique one. Okay, uh, mine I is a. Oh, sorry, go one. ahead, Hosmer. No, go ahead, Hosmer. No, I was just, I was just saying, I love that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a. That's a sorry about one. cutting you off there, boss. <laughs> mine is a crazy little thing called love. Song. I just like the whole right like, the doom doom nice yeah boo what do you think awesome. uh somebody to love somebody 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 can anybody find me somebody to love oh that is a great one that is just uh just see, they have so many great ones. Yeah. It's like trying to pick a Beatles best song or a Zeppelin best song. It's just hard to Here do. Here comes the sun. Wow. Here comes the sun. Mine is uh, My Guitar Gently Weeps. So oh, beautiful. Yeah. Once again, like, I don't know when it comes to, like, Zeppelin or Queen or the Beatles. Like, I don't know that there's a wrong answer for what your favorite song there is. is. Yeah. You know? You're absolutely right. I mean, right. of course there's not. It's all subjective in opinion. Yeah. But, like. Every one of those you you guys named, I was like, yeah, that one's yeah, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> and we were rocking out to Achilles Last Stand yes, last we night were. too. We were just we blasted Achilles Last Stand by Zeppelin, and we were just ah, oh, 
great what a song. Great, and people were talking in the back of the car, and me and Brew were like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you can't talk when Achilles last stand is on. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. You know when you're in a car and your favorite song's on and people don't respect that yeah, favorite you're like, song? you like, get out. And, and you're like, in your head, Everybody you're like, shut the, shut the fuck, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That's how I yeah. felt. I gotta play it again. Yeah. Oh, that happens to me with Rush a lot. Yeah. Like, this is La Villa Strangingado. Do not talk. Yeah. La Villa. God damn it. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'm very excited about this Queen thing. Brian Singer's doing it. So we'll see where it goes. And they got the right actor. This was a movie that that they had, um, what's his name? Sasha Baron Cohen as mm-hmm. the lead for many years when it was under development and he left the project. This isn't the one with Hardy and Turn Egerton? No, that's the Elton John. Oh, that's Elton John. That's okay, the Elton okay. John biopic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we were also thinking of when was there a last good music biopic? Like, that's talking, a good question. Like Boo asked this yesterday and I said the last one that I remember that was halfway decent was The Doors mm-hmm. by, with Oliver Stone. And that mm-hmm. wasn't like an epic, great movie, mm-hmm. but that's the last one I thought of. I couldn't think well, of anything else. Ray was pretty good. Yeah, but Ray, Ray okay, was good. Ray was great. That's true. Ray was great. Mm-hmm. And it was a critically acclaimed. And it was nominated well, for everything. I'm going to throw it out there. I think I said this last time, but a lot of press and a lot of hype, but the Andre 3000 Jimi Hendrix movie, All Is By My Side, was yeah, actually a really solid about movie. Mm, okay. I have to check that out. I. I'm glad you mentioned that, Les. I'm going to actually make a note about yeah, that. You should <laughs> just give it give it a few. It actually was pretty good. And I mean, it's probably the only look we got at Jimi Hendrix or we're getting or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if we'll yeah. ever get. I like, heard he was amazing in it. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get a definitive. But this is the thing. Look. There's been some films with solo, not solo, well, solo artists. Or they focus on the solo artist in right. I mean, the band, the major lead in the band. But this one's going to be hopefully, I think, about the entire band and how they came up. Yeah, Ooh, that I don't think be... it's going to be a specific Freddie mm-hmm, movie. I think it's a Queen biopic. That's good. Right? No, that might be tough, right? Because yeah. everyone's got to be on the same page mm-hmm. as far as like, hey, we want this to be told. And allow don't want this to be, to be said, told. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that part. And I think Brian May and the rest of the members are very, very uh, involved in this thing, which is great. So <laughs> let's see where it goes. Let's see if it's you know it's going to be pretty accurate. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, you said Taylor Egerton, right? Kingsman's coming out, mm-hmm. and I thought this was really cool, so I wanted to talk about it. The Kingsman Golden Circle official premiere was scheduled for New York City on Tuesday, September 12th. The premiere was expected to be the same day as the upcoming Hurricane Relief Telethon, hand-in-hand, a benefit of Hurricane Harvey, and that didn't wash with the studio. A spokesman for 20th Century Fox Films released a statement noting that the company was aware of the fundraising efforts for Hurricane Harvey and that the team behind the film thought those efforts should take precedent over the movie premiere. And here's the full statement. Given the devastation caused by Hurricane Harvey and the important fundraising efforts happening on September 12th, we have canceled that evening's planned film premiere event for the Kingsman The Golden Circle. To that end, 20th Century Fox will be donating the money budgeted for the premiere to several of the nonprofit groups associated with the telethon. That's very cool. So very cool and something unique that Hollywood actually did Mm -hmm. and is doing. Um, They just wanted to scrap it and say all the money. And those things cost a lot of money to put up this premiere. So. Because you have to fly people in, mm-hmm. they have to get the you know all the things going. So I thought that was really cool. So there, for people that are listening, it's actually coming out the day this thing is going to be released. This podcast, there's going to be a telethon for the victims of Hurricane Harvey. So make sure you tune in. I think all the networks are going to run it at the same time to raise insane amount of money to help the people that are in need. So go out there and do that. It's for a good cause. Mm-hmm. So please, please check it out and donate. 
Let's get into. Uh, I just want to talk about it. Nah. Yeah, I know. There's almost nothing that we should be talking about. But there's that. something I do want to ask. Going back to a little bit about, you just asked us what the, our favorite songs are from Queen. How about this? How about we are stuck? Let's just hypothetically, we're stuck on an island with Kate from Lost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just threw that in there for you, Hoss. <laughs> and you were allowed. You and Kate were allowed. I know Jesse's going to get mad. Jesse, you can be there too. <laughs> uh, and Lorena can be there with me. So. <laughs> we were allowed to bring a album, uh-huh. bring a video game, and bring a movie. Mm-hmm. What would those three be? Mm. So I'm going to let oh. – Yeah, you want to think about this one, Hazel? I'll go to Les. Les, it looks like yeah, – Yeah. Okay. Les, go ahead. You pick this. So a video game. I know you're going to say Destiny, so that's fucking great. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah that, that would be the game. And – the thing about the game is it, it, it's a base game. It's really short, but the loot, which you can get and upgrade, is immense. There's so much, so many different things. There's so many quests to just obtain one simple thing. So it keeps it fresh by having you just try to get the loot. So I could play that forever. Okay. Um, you said a movie? Mm-hmm. A movie. You're one of your favorite movies and your favorite album slash CD slash cassette tape. Oh man, that, <laughs> that would be tough, man. The album one's gonna be tough. It can't be a greatest hits either, by the That's way. That's the worst nope. part, yeah, because you can't just say that, or it nope. can't be a personal mixtape. No, something it cannot like be that. a personal mixtape. Like, yeah, man, I remember I did this. Can we play my mixtape? Yeah, go ahead. Brian had sex with a really dumb girl. Now he's taking his friend Stewie to get some ice cream in his car. Oh, you're a poor sport. Wow. Less is Jams, Volume 1. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to get something. I have to get bang for my buck as far as an album goes. Uh, I'll go off the wall with this one. I'll take uh, Tupac, All Eyes on Me. Oh. Double CD. When you said off the wall with this one, I thought you went Michael Jackson off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I could go History. No, you can't Michael go Jackson History, History, dude. History is the greatest hits album. Okay, so you, fl- you play Frisbee with that CD, but you play the other ones, right? No. Okay, then I'll do the Tupac, All Eyes on Me. <laughs> okay. So Double. you got Tupac, All Eyes on Me. What's your movie? You know what? It, it would have to be Terminator 2. Oh, you suck. That was Sorry, your movie? Yes. You. Holy shit. But it would have to movie? be. Yeah. I must have kept that thing on a loop for wow, exactly. a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just a, We rented it and we were like, we're not turning this in. Yeah. We just I kept it on. I burned through that VHS. You have no yeah, idea. Just just kept it running. All right. Such a good movie. Uh, boo, go ahead. So, well, Les already took my movie. but Terminator yeah, 2. Terminator 2. Uh, my album would be uh, Led Zeppelin 2. And then my video game would be uh, GTA San Andreas. Wow. Look at that. Let's see how quick he was, Les. He took like 20 minutes. Thank you God threw it to me first, minutes. man. Jeez. Yeah. I had to set the table. Good, yeah. good choices. Good choices. Thank you. <laughs> Zeppelin 2 is a great album. Oh, man. Yeah. It's so good. All right, Hazi. What, what's, what's your three? Okay. Album, Lateralis by Tool. Great. Oh. Movie, Empire Strikes Back. You took nice. mine, Haas. <laughs> video game is tough. See, I don't want to call less out, but I kind of feel like an online game is kind of cheating. Because you ain't, you ain't going to. Oh, okay. You're, you are out. correct. You oh, yeah, are correct. You know? I forgot about that element. You are correct. Because I would say, I would say something like Final Fantasy fourteen, which is an MMO, which like you can put in like two to three hundred hours per character that you make. Right. So the possibilities are endless. Um. I would probably say, though, and this is a little more recent of a game, but the amount of playtime 
and stuff you can do in it is astronomical. I put in a hundred hours, beat the main story, and was only at forty-five percent completion on this game, and that is uh, the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Okay, nice, nice. Wow, it's it's that intense, huh? It's that takes that long. I mean, there's just so much to do: side quest, hidden collectibles, yes, uh, special weapons you can find, and all this stuff. Jesus. And it's be- like one of the most relaxing, beautiful games I've ever played. I got out of Nintendo systems for a long time. Uh, the last one I had before the Switch was the GameCube. So mm. I didn't do the Wii or the Wii U. Okay. Um, and like just getting the Switch, I'm enjoying the Nintendo games like Zelda. Uh, the new Mario and Rabbids game looks goofy, but it's incredible. It's so great. So, um, yeah, Zelda would be mine because I- I've seen people like I've got friends on my my Switch friends list. And when you look at their time played, they've put 300 hours in the Zelda. Damn, that's yeah. They got more time than me. Yeah. My yeah. God, that's a lot of time. That's crazy. But, but that's the beauty of, of some of these games now, because even a game like Arkham Knight, the mm-hmm. a Batman game, I have like 114 percent complete and I'm still not done. Like, yeah. I still haven't found all the Riddler trophies for the final confrontation. There's all kinds of stuff. There's all these uh, Easter eggs you got to look for. Just I might I might switch uh, Destiny, then I'll put Arkham Knight instead. Oh, okay, that's a good one. That's good. it's and, not and, an online element. Yeah, I totally forgot about that part because I'm still connected to the outside world. You are correct about that one, Haas. The um, the cool thing is, <clears throat> it seems less and less that we're getting that complaint of spending 65 bucks on a video game and being like, it was too short. I beat it in eight hours. (laughs) That's true. You know? Yeah. And it's good and bad because of the limited time that I have to play video games now. Like, uh, some of these are so daunting, like the Mm -hmm. amount of time. And I'm very OCD when I play one of these games where like, oh, I got to do everything if I can, (laughs) you know? Right. The the Riddler trophies in uh, Arkham Knight, I had to quit. Like, I started yeah. getting so frustrated. Like, some of them are so, like, um, not necessarily difficult, but the timing on them is so precise. That That's the you problem. Gotta throw, yes. Yeah, you got to throw five batarangs in five seconds and be super accurate. Um, but, yeah, video games, as far as bang for your buck, have really, really taken a step forward. That's true. Mm-hmm. I remember it. Is it. Was it Arkham Knight less? I remember I was playing it with you. What I loved about it was the little cassette tapes that you would hear Joker. Uh, Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. God, yeah. those were fucking cool. And, and <sighs> so in Arkham Knight, it's like all of that. And yeah. then you have to go around finding all these like uh, snapshots of things. Okay. Then you have to do the Riddler trophies where he like puts them in different places. And yeah, like Hawes says, you got to you gotta upgrade your weapons to a point where you can simultaneously target five things with the battering. Hit that. Get your uh, bat claw out and then snap the trophy like instantaneously. And you're just like, if you can't do it on time, you can spend hours just trying to get That's that rad. one damn thing. Dude. That's rad. And the worst part is the Riddler's talking crap the whole mm, damn time. Giving you shit. Yeah. What, he's what, just going, what, are you stupid? Yeah. That must be why. You're so damn stupid. And you're just like. Well, I remember with Asylum, I was thinking if you're not a fan of the, if you're not a huge fan of, of the whole DC world. Right? right, and you listen to these tapes. They pretty much explain to you the, everything, uh, everything mm-hmm. about every character, which I thought was great. 
which is awesome. Well, that's cool. So, well, my picks would be would be Moving Pictures by Rush. Oh, I was gonna say Twenty One Twelve, but I think it would drive me crazy if I hear it all the time over there. Even though I love that mm-hmm. album, the movie would be Empire, hands down. And then my game would probably be Red Dead Redemption. Oh, that's a good one. That yeah, good just pick. because it's so vast, it was so mm-hmm. beautiful. The music was great. Mm-hmm. I love that fucking game. It was so good. Remember those? Remember how, many, how much we played that game last? Yeah, we played that one oh, a lot. So <laughs> great. So there you go. Those are all great choices, guys. Yeah. And we have some Gambit news. Oh, yeah, not much. I don't know too much about Gambit. All I know is he's Cajun. Yeah. <laughs> And he messes around with cards, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> so Channing Tatum has been linked to this thing for about two or three years. Yeah. And he's still linked to this thing. Mm-hmm. So he's not going away. So sitting down with Straight Times, Channing Tatum talked about his love of Gambit. Channing Tatum's Gambit movie has been pushed back time and time again with no de- definitive plan as to when the film would finally go into production. And while Tatum has no new information on this front, he recently revealed that he adores the Raging Cajun so much. While he didn't read Gambit's adventures in comics as a kid, his role on X-Men animated series is where it was all at. He's, this is what he had to say. There wasn't a comic store, but the cartoon was on TV, and he was this cool Cajun guy, and he was the easiest person to play as a kid because you just could unscrew the broom handle, get a pack of cards, and wrap a bandana around your head. He had a lot of fun throwing cards and trying to take our friend's eyes out across the living room. So he is still pumped up to do this thing. This thing's been pushed back. Mm-hmm. How do you think a Gambit film on its own would do? Mm. Haas, what do you think about this? I'm not too That's- familiar with Gambit, so I can't really talk about this, but I know you guys probably are. The interesting thing about Gambit to me is I kind of feel like he didn't gain popularity until that cartoon. He was in the comics and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I feel like he really like once that 90s cartoon came out is when people really started gravitating to him. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting to me. Um, A Gambit movie. I don't know, man. I love the character, but. It seems like a weird solo X-Men movie, you know, Yeah. of of all ones to do solo. And like, I don't have anything against Channing Tatum, but nothing necessarily screams Gambit about him. Nothing like, at all. You know, and, yeah. and when they did Gambit in Wolverine Origins, wasn't that, didn't they do Gambit? Yeah, that? it was yeah. a Taylor yeah. Kitsch. Yeah. Awful. Taylor wait a minute, Kitch wait a minute, wait a minute. Was Gambit. Was Raj. it Taylor Kitsch? It was Taylor Kitsch. There, there's yes. my theory. Taylor Kitsch Destroy, destroys yeah. films. Yeah. Well, okay. well, in X-Men Origins, that movie, that movie that was destroyed, destroyed Well, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 it wasn't his he, fault. But no, but before he was, he was there, that movie was already yeah, shit. Yeah, that's true. But uh, he was a part yeah, of that. He was a part the of final it, nail in the coffin. And it didn't, yeah, it just didn't fly. What do you think, Les? What do you think? Do you think a Gambit film would do well? I think he would be good in another movie, yeah, making a cameo or can, making an okay. appearance. So if it was like Deadpool three and yeah. Gambit showed up, I'd be I could go for that. But as far as a solo, yeah, uh, Hawes, I agree with Hawes. It's just he's too he's popular because of the animated series. Mm-hmm. Did he step into a more prominent role in the books? Yes, uh, but the animated series Gambit is way different than the comic book mm-hmm. Gambit. Very much so uh, in the fact that. He's like a real chauvinistic kind of like he thinks he's everything. He's an egotistical dude. He's okay. Every time a you know a lady comes in, he's really lecherous and flirty and 
like over like really aggressive is that right and, yeah mm-hmm. that's his whole thing so and that's that's the thing they don't talk about a lot he's got these he, he has pheromones that's one of his like secondary mutations oh, is that- so he can like put those out there and chicks automatically gravitate toward him uh, or people. Yeah. It's like, well, that's a fucking got, cool superpower. Yeah. It's like a, like a she weird, weird, like attractive thing, thing he can put out there on top of what his other powers are. But, um, <laughs> yeah, as far as, um, a, a solo movie, I mean, it may be a passion project, but there's gotta be a reason to keep pushing this thing back. And I think that'll come to light at some point. Mm-hmm. And then we don't want Channing Tatum. Like, and I agree with Hawes too. There's nothing about him. That screams Gambit. I mean, yes, is this guy a sex symbol? Yes, is he, you know, he's magic. He's fine. an A-lister. That's what screams and he's, about yeah. it. Yeah. But he's not the slick, you know, the, the, the slang, the Cajun slang. Like, he has to have this French accent. Like, mm-hmm. he's got to be Southern through and through. It's just something that I just don't see Channing Tatum doing, being okay. able to do. Yeah, think? no, yeah, I would have to agree with, with with both of them. He's he's popular but unpopular at the same time. Yeah. So there's there I I don't see the appeal or the or the want to have him have his own movie. You know, like Les said, if he made a cameo appearance, that would that would work. But there's no real I don't think desire to to have you know have his own movie. It just doesn't doesn't seem to make sense. So I I don't know. Okay. I well, don't know. maybe just... maybe what they should do is have him, like you said, have him in a Deadpool mm-hmm. three. See how he does in a Deadpool three. See how people react to him in a Deadpool three. And then yeah, that there. would be great. That I think that would be the great starting or launching point for him if they're going to make mm. a Deadpool three. But I think that would oh, be a pretty good yeah. launch point is to keep him in that universe and not bring him into the X Men u- movie universe. Okay. Because I agree. Yeah, because he's. With the direction they're going, it doesn't make sense. It, it they could shoehorn him in, and then maybe that's where it's bad when you start stuffing things in there, mm-hmm. and you go, "Okay, let's throw this in here, and yeah. let's let's put this in there," and you go, "Wait a minute, this omelet's way too big now. Nobody's going to eat this thing." Yeah, you need to put him in the Deadpool universe where it's Deadpool and do like they did with Colossus. Yeah, and just and that worked. It, it worked. Did work he's very secondary. Well. He's there. He's, you know, he's part of it. And that's that. They can do the same thing with Gambit and just have him, you know, follow along. And they're just going, they're doing their own little adventures. And that might be per- better for him. Okay, cool. Less, buddy. Let me ask you something. Go ahead, boss. <laughs> so we're getting uh, another shot at the Dark Phoenix storyline, right? Right. Is there a X-Men storyline that they haven't done in the movies yet? that you would like to see. I have one immediately that I would like to see. Um, but I, there I, are, I'd be there are quite a few actually, but, um, who they're just massive in scale though. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah, those, the, the stories the, are very massive. The one I would want, I, I wonder it, mine is fatal attractions. Ooh. Um, mm. and, Ooh. and for the listeners that don't know, Fatal Attractions was what, like ninety three or ninety four, somewhere in there. Yeah, and uh, it was a storyline where a, a bunch of big things ended up happening. Colossus turns on the X Men. Yeah, he, he goes with the Acolytes. Yeah, he becomes yeah, Magneto. He becomes an Acolyte. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the storyline where Magneto rips the adamantium off of Wolverine's. Oh, oh yeah. Bones. Is that what the, that's the, from that storyline? Yeah. So oh, I guess they're fighting, and what happens is Wolverine gets in there. 
yeah. and he does something. He basically he hurts Magneto. Like he gets he to stabs Magneto, him in the chest. He's, yeah, he's like boom, and oh, he finally lands it. Because you always wonder if Wolverine gets close to anyone, he's gonna <laughs> hurt them. Right. So he's mm-hmm. almost never been able to get to Magneto, and Magneto's never really said because Magneto's a great character. He's not gonna be vicious if he doesn't have to be. He can straddle the line. But I guess Wolverine finally got there, and he's all, you know what? I've been waiting too long to do this, and he just. Whoosh, yeah, oh, pulls yeah, all is, the adamantium out of Wolverine. Oh, it is amazing, and it to is see. a great panel. It's yeah. a great illustration. And then Professor X loses his yes. shit when that happens, and <laughs> basically psychically lobotomizes, just wipes Magneto clean. Yeah, like not just like vegetative like clean. Yeah, it's actually that actually plants the seed for onslaught showing up later yes it does and a lot and, of people uh, don't like onslaught there's it's 50, i thought it 50. was okay i thought it was too um, but yeah it did plant that the fallout from onslaught when they did the whole heroes reborn thing i thought was worse than the actual onslaught event yeah, itself yeah you're right and then uh yeah um well for me mine would be it's just too massive, but I really liked Executioner's song. Cable and Strife and all that? Yeah, oh, that yeah, the be- whole... And you get all the X-teams turning on each other, helping each other. It's just, But it's so massive in scale to where they just wouldn't be able to pull it off. I mean, it would, it, it would be the equivalent of Infinity War, though. Mm-hmm. It would be them being able to bring the whole X-universe and all the teams together. That would be something I would love to see because, yeah, like you're right, Cable, Strife, uh, the X-Force is going against all the X-Men teams. They're all coming together. You got X-Factor. You get all the characters from Strong Guy to Wolfsbane to Apocalypse has his little bad guys and his team going to Dark Riders and his horsemen. You have Mr. Sinister doing crap. Coming from that is the legacy virus, which Deadpool has. Mm Mm-hmm. So Deadpool ends up getting a legacy virus and he can't <coughs> die from it. So it just keeps messing with them and he keeps healing, keeps messing with them. That's an ongoing lingering effect from that. So, I mean, we're going on and on. Well, about well this, this, is, but- this is cool because when you guys were speaking and, and talking about this, I was, something came in my head. How about this crazy ass idea? I know this is out there. This is really out there. But I remember reading this kick ass series. And unless you let me borrow this series of comics, and it was Marvel Zombies. Yes. What if the director of the guy that's directing Annabelle two and all these the Conjuring? There's like one guy that's like very no, I forgot his name, Vaughn something. Yeah. What if he? What if Disney? This will never happen. Or Disney and Marvel let them do a side story, kind of like what they're doing with Joker. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh-huh. Um, but let them do a horror Marvel zombies film. Well, it's there. I watched. So I babysat Coco for you last night. You did. Thank awesome. You. I appreciate it, by the way. I watched Doctor Strange on Netflix, which is slowly creeping up my Marvel movie films. list. Doctor no, Strange is creeping up there. Like, I almost always turn it on when I turn on Netflix. I okay. almost always do. You better do it soon because they're not going to have those movies soon. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, but in Doctor Strange, they say when he's starting to mess around with the time streams and stuff, they go, you're opening the door to the multiverse. And mm-hmm. that's where Marvel Zombies comes from. Oh, my God. In multiple dimensions. So there's a multiverse. Thinking... Who knows? Who knows? Who okay. knows? Exactly. The door's there. Pause. Did you ever see? It's did you ever there. read those pan- the, those comics? Oh, yeah. Definitely. They were, they were crazy. It was pretty crazy. Very yeah. crazy. Yeah. Very, very crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they would ever go that route mm-hmm. and make a film. But how fucking cool would that Epic be? Epic that would be, just yeah. To say, it's just not in the MCU. Just mm-hmm. their version of, of – uh, 
crazy horror Marvel movie. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be really cool. And put it on during Halloween time. Oh, man. Yeah, they, I mean, that would be great. It would definitely be entertaining. Maybe it would in, be a different take. Yeah. And a lot of people would be like, oh, hell yeah, I'll go watch that. Mm-hmm. So Maybe yeah. in 10, 20 years. Who knows? But okay. Yeah, buddy, that's my, my pick is Executioner's song. Maybe they can streamline nice. it. But it was the Mutant Liberation Front. You get all the... Uh, I need to shut up. I know King Tom's enjoying this conversation. Yes, he is. He's like, well, don't stop, don't stop. That's right. Yeah. Well, let's get into some other uh, comic book geeky stuff, movie-wise. Suicide Squad Mm -hmm. 2 has a director. Ah. So according to The Hollywood Reporter, Gavin O'Connor has come aboard to both write and direct Suicide 2. O'Connor's name emerges after other directors like Mel Gibson were Mm -hmm. rumored to do this. Okay, Gavin O'Connor's directing credits include Miracle, Warrior, Jane, Jane Got a Gun, and The Accountant. With the latter mm-hmm. movie proving to be quite a hit for Warner Brothers last year, no doubt that played a role in the studio's deciding that O'Connor was the right person to direct Suicide Squad 2. The Accountant 2 is in development, and even with Suicide 2 news, O'Connor is still expecting to helm the sequel to the Ben Affleck action movie. Though awesome. it's possible it may now be delayed, two O'Connor can dedicate his focus to the team of DC criminals. So what what do you guys think? Youth? I know that it can't get any worse than the first one. No, it can't. <laughs> Sorry, Boo. <laughs> Go ahead, Haas. Let's let's let you take it, please. Uh, I mean, uh, guys, I'm gonna skip it. Wow. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. I'm gonna skip it. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Uh, I understand if, fully, Haas. If it comes out and everybody um is like, oh my god, Suicide Squad 2 is the best sequel ever. Like it's such an improvement over the first one. Then yeah, I'll I might check it out at like the Dollar Theater or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dollar Tuesdays, yeah. Uh you're it was a dagger in Boo's heart, by the way, when you yeah. said that. I'm <laughs> sorry, buddy. You know, <laughs> That's I, all right. they just they besides Wonder Woman, they just have not pleased me with this DC cinematic universe. Um I guess it was about a month ago they put Suicide Squad up on HBO Now. Yeah. And Jesse was like, I really want to watch that. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) But, you know, like she sits there and she's very nice when I watch Star Wars for the 800th time. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, new episode of Star Wars Rebels is on. And I can just feel her be like, oh, God. (laughs) So we watched it and she was like, "Okay, yeah, that was a waste of time. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So, um, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I want him to pull this, this stuff together. I'm not convinced it's going to happen. I'm hope, like, I, I would love for people to be like, Justice League is everything that Superman versus Batman wasn't, or Batman versus Superman. And, uh, and I would, that would make me so happy. I don't know, though, man. Like, none of those trailers have done it for me. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But Wonder I, Woman I, was great, though. Yes. Wonder Woman yes. was great. Wonder Woman was great. And like I said before, you're going to see a lot of Wonder Woman in this Justice League film. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I, I think if they switch the roster up on Suicide Squad, it just might work. Because the not the current roster, but at some point, at one point, Lobo was part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that might be a good way to introduce a wisecracking... Deadpool, Wolverine-esque change of pace. That's something I think they need. Wonder Woman was great, and that was a change of pace, breath of fresh air. I think if they could find a way to bring Lobo to the screen, it just may change everything for DC Comics. 
they're the so, DC Cinematic Universe. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at when I watch Suicide Squad and I try to find elements that I like, it's 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 not the worst movie ever. There are elements I like. <laughs> I think I think Margot Robbie is really good as Harley, Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. but is that because I'm like she's so pretty? Like I kind of have a hard time separating. Like, am, am I just like, dang, she's pretty. She's good at Harley Quinn. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. I totally know what you mean. I, I felt uh, like that when I was watching Wonder Woman. It was hard for me to not like Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I I think Gal Gadot and, as Wonder Woman and uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn are leaps and bounds apart. She's uh, Gal Gadot is perfect as Wonder Woman. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, she um, is. I think it's in a totally different ballgame. But, you know, they're they're supposedly doing this Gotham City Sirens movie, which mm-hmm. is Harley Quinn and stuff. Are they going to double down on her and have her in Suicide Squad 2 and uh, Gotham Sirens. City Sirens? Absolutely. They're, I, there's no way yeah, that they're making a Suicide Squad yeah, 2. They, I don't think they have two versions of Harley. Yeah. To, oh, no, that's no, I don't think so either. I was just wondering, is it going to be this her playing it? In both, or is are they spinning her off? Because I think that would be a mistake. I would think that would be taking one of the stronger elements mm-hmm. of that movie. If anything, get rid of Jared Leto. Like, you well, know. Well, uh, let me t- let me tell you, they they cannot make a Suicide Squad two without her. No, I mean, no, no, no. no, only, no. You need Deadshot yeah. and Harley for well, yeah, sure. The only yeah, aspects that people liked were mm-hmm. Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And if you maybe, take maybe those Katana. two out, game over. Yeah, came and who? Maybe Katana, the lady with the she sword. She was pretty cool. Yeah, she was pretty She cool. was pretty interesting and cool. I, I'm telling you, switch the roster up. Get rid of yeah. Croc. Bring yes. Lobo in and introduce Lobo and have him as like a secret hidden element that doesn't get out in the press and mm-hmm. in the hype. And then all of a sudden people go, dude, fucking Lobo's <laughs> in it, dude. I swear. Like I, I said I, before, the first half hour of the movie, I was very excited. Yes. And then it just went all to holy hell. <laughs> so if they can just go back and just figure out how they did the first half hour uh-huh. and just extend it another hour and a half and not make it two hour a fucking movie, two and a, two and a half hour movie, because it doesn't need to be. Just make a fun, crazy right. ass movie yeah. with that style. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. And, I th- and I think your idea less is great. And they got to, uh, what I like, like I've said this time and time again on this podcast, well, at least they're trying now to get good directors mm-hmm. and good writers to go forward. That first step is a good step. It's a good yeah. step. It's a good step. Now, is it going to be shit? Who knows? Who knows? Well, speaking of the, the Justice League <laughs> of America, Aquaman, there was something cool that I wanted to uh, just read a little bit about. Cinema, Cinema Blend had an article. Uh, I almost said Cinnabon again, Haas. Yep. <laughs> know, every, time Haas, every time Haas is on, I say Cinnabon. Cinema, cinema, whatever. They had, an art, they, had an art, they had an article up about Aquaman. And obviously, we, we don't know exactly what to expect from Aquaman just yet. But the Power Rangers star, Ludi Lin, who stars as Merkin in this water-based DC film, recently came out and explained that it's so different from the other DC movies. So this might be good for you, Haas. Mm-hmm. And he said it's almost like Star Wars. Lynn said during a recent radio interview, the difference between Aquaman and the other superheroes in the DC universe is that it exists almost in a different world. James Wan, our director, is amazing. He's described his vision as Star Wars underwater. And he says, because it is. All the physics are different. Their weapons are different. The characters are very unique. It's just super cool. So this was interesting because he's right. Not that it's the Star Wars of the DC universe, Mm -hmm. but... 
it's going to be their version of a cosmic kind of thing, but just underwater. Yeah. So it's going to be totally different than any yeah. other ones we see. So it's are you guys kind of like uh, Thor, if you think about it? Yes. Like the way Thor went to Asgard and that yes. was in its own little kingdom. Granted, it, he, you know, he went to Earth mm-hmm, and right. stuff, but yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I could get behind Aquaman. When I see the trailers, I'll say this, like the underwater Aquaman stuff I've seen in uh, like that brief clip in Batman versus Superman and uh, the trailers for the Justice League. Like, I don't know what it is about the way they do their CGI. Like, it just doesn't look good to me. And I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, fuck CGI. I don't like CGI. Uh, That's the one thing that worries me. Because that's going to be a very, very CGI heavy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if they pull it off, I could see it being really great. And I hope it is. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Every time I see their CGI, I cringe. <laughs> and, I, and and we talked about how Game of Thrones can pull this unbelievable yeah. yes. fucking dragon and battles off. Uh-huh. And DC can, and Warner Bros. they can't make a fucking movie mm-hmm. that has a decent C- CGI in it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. It doesn't, it doesn't compute in my head <laughs> with a budget that's quadruple the amount of that yeah. Game of Thrones is using and they still can't do it. Well, Man of Steel was decent. No, no. I love Man of Steel. Man of Steel's CGI CG Man of Steel was, was not no. too bad. No, it was actually pretty damn good. Not bad at all. But other movies, you're right. You're, you're oh, this is kind of clunky. Suicide Squad. Yeah, very clunky. Shit. Those yeah, parts of Superman, Batman vs. Yeah. Superman were shit. And, yeah. the, and the commercials, the scene where hopefully they fix this, where Aquaman comes surfing out of that building, uh-huh. it looked horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Ooh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. It looked awful. He, shaved, he pops his hair like, oh, yeah. oh god, yeah. That was pretty. The, but the swagger is what I like about oh, it. No, no, he's the swagger. Cool. The he's swagger fine. is yeah. amazing. Dude. The swagger is fine. He's a king. Exactly, he's a king yeah. of the largest kingdom on the planet. Mm-hmm. Think of it. He's in charge of the oceans. Yeah. Like the Earth is seventy percent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's he's by far, yeah, the biggest diplomat. Like he's the most. High-ranking political right. or politician out there, and I have no problems with him. He's he's great. Yeah, yes. he fits the role. I like the way they're going with the role and the look and everything and mm-hmm. his attitude. Just fix the CGI up. That's it. <laughs> Fuck, man. Make models or something if you can't do it. I have oh. a question. Are you are you guys uh, okay when you hear people use the uh, Star Wars reference? <laughs> I feel like it's a catchphrase. Thank you. You know what I, I mean. I feel, that, like, yeah. I, I, I feel like I I feel like it's because Star Wars is so huge and is so ingrained in pop culture, it's one of those things that you can just say without impunity to be like, oh, it's like Star Wars, guys, but it's underwater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll see, you know. For me, and this is subjective, like nothing is Star Wars. <laughs> nothing is like Star Wars. That's goddamn right, Haas. Things definitely try okay, to be like thank Star you. Wars. Like, yeah, like right God. when I heard you say that, Araj, I'm like, dude, do people just use that as a crutch, or they does do. that buy they them points? Well, let me tell you, that, does I'd that give you breathing room when you less, say? To be honest with you, I probably wouldn't even brought this thing up if I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I swear uh, to God. But honestly, like, it's sometimes when I hear that and I go, "Okay, man, really? Is it really going to be like Star Wars? Like any the, most of the things we've heard, people like to compare." And I do think, okay, Star Wars is the gold standard then. If we're going to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Star Wars is the bar. People want to get to that bar, at least eclipse it. Understood. But like you just said, Haas, it, for me, it cheapens things when they say it's, it's like Star Wars. Yeah, but I agree. 
in the West, or it's like Star Wars, <laughs> but underwater. It's like Star Wars, but in Antarctica. And you're like, well, that okay. that whole quote to me was, "Hey, people that have shit on our films yeah. for the last five six years, this one's going to be totally different. It's yeah. going to be like Star Wars, so uh-huh. you're going to love it. So give us a chance. Yeah, exactly. That's how it's it's yeah. like you give them some wiggle room. Yeah, yeah, it's like, look, look, we've we're making changes. We're making changes. Trust us. It's not that bad. Exactly. We swear. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope it's good. Yeah, let's hope it's good. Now, there's some crazy, crazy uh, news that I read about. You guys know who Jay Burrishell is, right? Yes. He's mm-hmm. got a movie that he directed called Goon. He Goon wrote two. He wrote Goon. He wrote Goon one. It's a hockey movie, yeah. and uh, we're big fans of hockey, so we've seen Goon one. Uh, I haven't seen Goon two yet, but he was doing his circuit, and he's doing podcasts and interviews and junkets and all that stuff. And he talked about how Mad Max director George Miller. Mm. Once developed the Justice League film huh. on his own. Wow. It, it was, guys, he not only developed this, like sets were built. Mm-hmm. The entire cast was cast. That's right. The writer's strike in what was that, like 2009? Mm-hmm. You remember that? Like when no, I remember all it. the shows like Heroes and Lost had to do short seasons because yep. of the writer's strike. Yep. That killed the movie. But like. Arnie Hammer was Batman. Oh, uh, oh, I have heard of that then, yeah. Yeah, wow. and, and it was far, like they had sets built and stuff. It's crazy that it didn't happen. Yeah, they were they were ready to go. And 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 Jay Burchell was going to play Maxwell Lord. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Yeah. Maxwell Lord is a big uh villain. He's yeah. a big, big enemy. Yeah, yeah. he wow. and, and he was on the Happy Sad Confused podcast. And he said that it was going to be a totally different movie and it was going to be crazy. It was going to be really visceral and intense. He actually had a scene where Superman and Wonder Woman got into a huge brawl. Oh, yeah. Then those are epic. Yeah, and then oh, Maxwell Lord, if he's involved, that's what happens. Yeah. And he turned, he made the brawl. Yeah, because he can yeah. psychically, Fuck yeah, he you. can mess with people through their head and then just have them beat the shit out of each other. He, this is exactly what he said. I turned him into a full red eyed Superman. And then there's this big ass fight between him and Wonder Woman where he breaks her fucking wrist and shit. Mm. <laughs> that actually happens on in, a, in, a in the comic? books. Yeah, there's okay. a page, there's a book, a storyline where they have to fight to the death. And okay. I think Wonder Woman actually ends up winning. He breaks her arm, but she ends up yeah he's turning the tables. He's he's stronger, but she's a better fighter. Yeah, she's a better warrior. Yeah, yeah and she learns she knows how to do battles to the yeah, death. Yeah. So she ends up beating Superman. And yeah. when it comes down to it, and yeah, she that would have been interesting. Well, George Miller doesn't fuck around. No, no. he don't fuck around. He, he's he yeah. If you're a stuntman on okay. his movies, ooh. yeah, good luck. All right, George George Miller does indeed not fuck around. But guys, let's not forget he also did Happy Feet. <laughs> did he really? Really? Yeah, George Miller did Happy that. Feet. Mind awesome. fucking blown, Well, that just dude. shows you. Hey, but Happy Feet's a great movie. But that's everyone. There's that's all kinds of people in Hollywood do. They have a range and a scope, and that's amazing, dude. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not taking anything away, but like it's just crazy when you watch Fury Road, right? And you're like, it's like balls to the walls, explosions. These dudes are spraying chrome spray paint in their mouth and shit, (laughs) and then dancing penguins. I. The uh, yesterday, one of my friends came in town and he's got like a, a kid that's like a year old. Jesse and I watched him for uh, like an hour while he went and ran a couple of errands that he needed to do around Birmingham. So I was like, shit, let's put on happy feet and see what he thinks of it. And dude, little buddy was jamming to some happy. feet. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Can't go it wrong. Kept him, uh, 
kept him distracted from trying to get a hold of all my Star Wars toys. That's, <laughs> yeah, you got to be That's sure of that. Yeah. That's a definite no-no. Stand guard on that. Well, what stuff. a fucking range he has then. Yeah. Jesus. That's that's pretty amazing. Well, like I was saying, so to bring up other like people who do weird things. So the guy that wrote Mouse, um, Arch Spiegelman, mm-hmm. he also created the Garbage Pail Kids. Huh. Mm-hmm. Old garbage. He was like a kids. co-creator of the Garbage Pail Kids. So like, that just shows you. So I think that would have been a great movie. The writer strike definitely killed a bunch of things. Yeah, and that Man. probably would have been a cool ass Justice League and, movie and started that whole midseason break bullshit. Yeah, that started that started the midseason Fuck break bullshit. That. Because I remember Entourage had two seasons in one season, and that started this whole fucking hor- horrific thing. Fuck it, yeah. I remember. Wow, Mouse Buddy, what a trip! What a trip Mouse was. Yes. Oh, the, Mouse. Yeah, the book is just... The book. Yeah. Oh, shit. You know, yeah. that's something they should bring to the live fucking screen, dude. They should I CG that movie. That's, that's what I was about time? to say. It would make an amazing, like, yeah, like CG animated, almost like... Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I'm kind of just pulling up really kiddie movies. Um, there's definitely a certain style. You know, I know what, what you, act- you want. Yeah. You don't want it to be too like, uh, like the TMNT version. Telling you guys, uh, you know, Studio Laika that d- did Coraline. They did the box trolls. Yes, that's Aaron right. Norman. Like, yes, stop motion. Really high sure. quality. Yeah. Like, where they mix CG and the stop motion, uh, puppets and stuff. That, yes. I think right. that could be incredible. Oh, oh, that would be, that especially would be- during this time. Right now in this society, oh, yeah, of right course, now. dealing with what we deal with yeah. in society and just mm-hmm. yeah, uh-huh. that, that book would... is taught in in college courses and in in uh, I think I, I read it in high school if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think uh, Mr. Grosso mentioned something. Yeah, about that too. I yeah. think it, yeah, he says that they 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 read it in in high school and where he teaches. It's very very cool. All right, cool. We have an email from somebody that you know. Uh, Mr. Burkhart, and he's a friend of our podcast, a friend of your podcast. We both met him at Star Wars Celebration. The Wim, John Wimmer. Hey. Great, yeah, great guy. Great guy. He had a uh, question for us or some some comments for us. And you know, he's a huge DC guy. He loves DC and he stands by it. Here's what he had to say. Hey, guys, want to add something about the Metal Gear conversation? I'm not a huge gamer, but I love the Metal Gear. And if you've ever played the games, it's more of a story than it's an actual game. So Haas, uh, last week, I believe we talked about the Metal Gear Solid movie. And how mm-hmm. this is it finally has a director. Uh, there are really long cutscenes, and much like Uncharted, it would lend itself to the potential to be a great movie. But I can see how they could blend some games together to have more of a cohesive story. An origin story can also be done with Snake if they if they ever wanted to go down that path. Mm-hmm. Snake is the main character. Yes, in the yes, okay. solid Snake. Yeah. Also, say what you will about Taylor Kitsch. This is funny. <laughs> uh, he was good in Friday Night Lights. But so was Adrian Pilecki. And since you know I'm a whore of DC, you know I'm, not, I'm going to be behind the Joker origin movie. Les, of course, crushed it with his idea. I'd love to see that. Which one was your idea, Les? The, uh, where he has flashbacks and he's sitting in the straight jacket. Oh, yeah, he's with in the straight jacket. He's in, okay. being interviewed by Harleen Quinzel and okay. tells her this is all fuck. I'm Yeah, fuck at the okay. end of it all, he's like, right. you going to join me, baby? Or something. Yeah, he, like, she breaks <laughs> him out and it's all, yeah. Dude. Where basically it's the, the breaking down of her along with his origin story. Gotcha. He goes on to say, now I'm not really a comic book fan, so to speak, but DC always deals with different dimensions, so couldn't every iteration of the Joker and the Batman exist? 1989 Batman exists as in another dimension. Christopher Nolan's version of Batman 
would also exist. Mm-hmm. How they explain that in a movie is another problem, but they do explain it on the Flash TV show as sometimes as Barry's father, who is the Flash <clears throat> in another dimension of Earth, helps him out in his world. Yes. Yeah. The, well, that's mul- just multi multiple Earths. Right. Yeah. There's Earth one, Earths, Earth infinite six, Earths, all that. Yeah. Yeah. And and DC did a great, and I think I mentioned this before. They do a really good job of establishing alternate timelines and alternate universes and alternate Earths, and then they do a very good job of cleaning all of that up. Yeah. A uh, okay. perfect example, as always, iconic Crisis on Infinite mm-hmm. Earths. Just they went through and wiped out all Everything. the Earth and brought it down to one, brought all the certain heroes from it all mm-hmm. and started from there. Okay. Also to add, I was listening to Kevin Smith's podcast about the movie and they were discussing the same thing Les and Boo were. Joker's origin has only been hinted at, but nothing was ever really nailed down. There isn't a definitive story for his origin. For me, I always thought of it as 89 Batman. He was Jack Napier, a little crazy, fell in a little acid, and then went batshit crazy. That's just me. Scorsese doing a Joker movie, I'm in. And just in case you guys named a really bad movie from a great director, my pick is Ridley Scott with G.I.J. God, that was awful. <laughs> Love the show, guys. The whim. Okay, so let's jump into this real quick with Haas. Haas, I know that you're not a DC guy, movie-wise. But a film about a Joker origin story done by an amazing director like Martin Scorsese. What do you think about this idea? So when you say I'm not a DC guy, I would like to clarify that I'm not a modern DC connected universe guy. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. Love, DC, yeah. DC films at least right now. I love the first two Nolan Batman movies. I think Batman Begins may be my favorite Batman movie. Yes. I, Holy shit. I think Haas, it's a that's really my favorite good. Batman movie. And I always say that it doesn't get enough credit. So, you know, that's – I don't know, man. Like when I was listening to you guys talk about it, like I was with Les and Boo where I was like, I kind of not like really pinning down where the Joker came from. Now mm-hmm. – it doesn't really bother me this whole it not being connected to the DCU it being its own thing because a that means we can get somebody besides fucking Jared Leto with a damaged <laughs> tattoo on his head. Um and I'm all about that. Uh Martin Scorsese being involved intrigues me. Uh, I don't know man. DC, you know what I find interesting is DC and Marvel operate so differently, but DC is definitely trying to take cues from Marvel. But the thing that Marvel does is they come out every couple of years and they're like, here's our next eight movies and a general area of release date. DC will just be like, all right, we're going to do, I don't know, Gotham series, sirens, suicide squad Two, Shazam, uh, Joker spinoff movie, uh, and they just throw all this stuff out here, and it doesn't seem like a lot of it really gets made, you know? Yeah. It, it seems like they have trouble getting some of this stuff off the ground. The Flash has, what, lost two or three directors now? Exactly. And I know you guys have said this before. I've said it before, but they they really rushed too quickly into the team-up movie. Uh, I, I understand what they want. They want that team-up movie money, but I feel like, it would have been so much stronger and more anticipated if it was a slow buildup like Marvel, like Marvel, their big movies, their big event movies feel like a culmination of years, you know, like 
and the phases they do that just it feels natural now i don't love every one of the marvel movies there's definitely some i can leave you know to the wayside thor 2 mm-hmm. thor 2 i'm not a big iron man 2 or 3 guy <laughs> yeah. thank you to i was about to throw honest. that out there huh. yeah. uh, i really like the incredible hulk i really go. like iron man 1 i thought doctor strange was really good but not great but i've only seen it once i need to give it another shot same thing with Ant-Man. Really enjoyed it. Didn't think it was phenomenal by any means. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like one of those things, like, to take it back to Star Wars, it's cooler not knowing what Yoda's species is and exactly all of Yoda's backstory. You know, that little bit of mystery mm-hmm. keeps it cool and and also lets you um, sort of fill in the blanks yourself. And I really like the way they portrayed the Joker in the dark night when every time he told the story about his scars, it was different. Yes. If they could find a way to do that in a movie over like a full two hour movie, but not make it too confusing, you know, I could see that being kind of cool where like, and I do love the idea of him like being interviewed and it being a series of long form flashbacks. I think that's a great idea. That is a great idea knocked it out of the park with that but i don't know man i don't know it to me once they cast the joker then i might be a little more invested that's going to be a big one for me it's whoever they cast as the joker yeah and and cast by different age brackets too if they're going to do flashbacks we're Mm -hmm. definitely going to see a young young joker can i say my favorite part of john's email is how he said like maybe all these movies just take place in the different universes and that's honestly how I have approached the Marvel Cinematic Universes. Like, because mm-hmm. I can be like less, where like they change something a little too much for me, and I get mega butt hurt. I'll be the <laughs> first to say it, my man. And uh-huh. the X Men movies have been the worst about that for me, and I oh, still like course. them, but I struggle with them sometimes. And what I do is I just sit down and I go, you know what? That's just in an alt. Like that's Earth you know, zero sixty nine or something. Oh, I like, love it. I love and, it. Compartmentalizing, and that's why it's dude. different, you know? Yeah. So like, that's just kind of how I approach it. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. My whole point was, why is it so hypocritical for comic book fans to accept it in comic books? But when something happens, even the slightest little thing happens in film, they freak out. But in comic books, they can just completely wipe something out and restart and retell it. And it's completely okay. That's where well, I, that's where I was coming from. It's not, uh, buddy, it's not always okay in comics. <laughs> no, it is. You know what I mean? It's it not always okay. It just I'm happens honest, more readily. It, yeah. it, okay. You know, I stopped. I'm telling you guys, you guys know how much I love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I stopped reading Spider-Man. I haven't read a Spider-Man comic in like seven years because of a thing they did called Brand New Day. Okay. So like that's a retcon where... Aunt May is dying. Peter makes a deal with uh, Mephisto to save mm-hmm. Aunt May. But in, per- in, to, in order to do that, he has to give up Mary Jane. So Mephisto changes history to where he and Mary Jane never really hooked up and never got married. Oh, shit. And, it, and it's still in place to this day. And I'm not a fan. Okay. <laughs> so I yeah. stopped reading Spider-Man. Okay. Um, so it's not always okay when they do the stuff. And the other thing is, is like, I don't mind a little retconning, a little changing. I think 
the DC Rebirth stuff that they did more recently was really good. Yes. Uh, DC, like you guys were talking about Chronic, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like, I feel like when I read those series, I need a PhD in goddamn DC history. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's good to sometimes cut the fat, you know? Yes. Uh, Marvel has not necessarily been as successful with trying to do that sort of thing lately. No. Um, honestly, you know, I check out some Marvel books every now and then, and the quality has not been great. But might I say, the new Iceman uh, solo series they've been doing is incredible. Oh, wow. Okay. Great. Um, but... Like the one Wolverine Origins was one of those movies that they just did such a bad job of the reimagining stuff that they did that I just couldn't take where like adamantium and guys, can we talk about fucking Logan for a second, please? Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. I need to get this off my chest. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Let me preface it that I love the movie. Like. I was so moved that like it kind of brought me to tears in the first 20 minutes, not because of any, per- but it's just such like a depressing, like mm-hmm. it's a heavy movie. Mm-hmm. And then they gotta fucking bring that stupid ass goddamn adamantium bullet bullshit back. Like of <laughs> all things to call back to and what is one of the best X-Men movies yet. Yeah, you're going to do that. Like, I was so mad when I finally saw Logan and I was the adamantium bullet of all things. Give me a break. I think I said something right after the movie to Les about that and that bullet. And I said, first of all, why didn't they make just a shit ton of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just gun them down with a bunch of them. They they didn't even need that in the film. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you on that one. I was. It was a great it's, movie, though. <laughs> it, was. it was great, but yeah. man, like it took that for me, and I I know this is petty. It took a movie that I would have been like, "Wow, that's great! I'm going to buy that on Blu-ray." To when like I'm at Best Buy and I'm looking at Blu-rays and I see that and I'm like, "Ooh, look that fucking goddamn <laughs> Adam Anthony boy!" Yeah. That was such a cop out. I didn't like. I didn't like, the, I didn't like the kids in it either. To tell you the truth. Well, you could stomach them, but that that Adamantium bullet is like legitimately like oh let's get a steak and drive it through dracula's heart yeah like, yes. like that oh, yeah. kind of yeah. thing yeah. you're just it's like, like a, uh, it's like a silver bullet with a werewolf you yes. know what i mean there's there's there, they could have figured out a way to kill the logan clone way better than the adamantium bullet and <laughs> I, like sure. i said i really like the movie the kids like look i'll deal with a couple of bad actor kids to have uh, that girl that played x23 daphne oh, keen she is her fantastic. name yeah mm-hmm to- worth it so i let them slide on that that aspect <laughs> okay i think you're gonna see some nominations for logan when the academy award nominations mm-hmm. come out i really do i think uh hugh jackman is going to be nominated for best actor just watch and I, that would be great yeah that would be a major step for comic book movies mm-hmm. anything based on comics that would be oh, just yeah. a big big thing all right let's get into something that well, you know what? Before we do that, I want to know. Oh, god damn it, man! And we're not talking about it yet. Just you yet. keep on doing. Carlos we're not going to talk about it. Dying we still have to talk about Star Wars. But before yeah. that, I just want to get a quick rundown of what Haas thought because we didn't have him on this whole season mm-hmm. for Game of Thrones. Yeah, what he thought about this season. Yes, please enlighten oh. us, sir. 
Haas, what was your opinion on season number seven of Game of Thrones? Okay. I want to preface this that by I did enjoy the season. But I I also feel like I got to be the voice of reason with a couple of things. Uh Good. Um, I'm going to let them slide on the weird time travel stuff, like where they're getting everywhere super quick. They got a shorter season. They've got a lot of story to wrap up. Do what you got to do. I'll make it work in my brain, you know? Okay. My issue with Game of Thrones this year is two things. I felt like some of it was a little sloppy. I felt like the Sansa and Arya storyline, while it paid off beautifully and I saw exactly what I wanted to see, (laughs) kind of circled the drain for too many episodes. I I felt like the second to last episode was maybe the sloppiest of the season where, like I said, I'll excuse a lot of this weird. They're getting they're fast traveling like in Skyrim. I'll let that (laughs) pass. But I don't know about this whole homeboy running back to the role, sending a raven, Daenerys getting there in time. That was a little silly to me. See, uh one thing, but let me cut you off, Haas, to agree with you. The, the, I saw a tweet that actually calculated the distance that from, uh, from Eastwatch to Dragonstone for a raven to fly, a raven, a regular raven, an actual bird, the speed at which it flies would have taken two, two and a half days. <laughs> yeah. So now, you are 100% a dr- right. Yeah. I'll give them the dragon. That's a magical creature. I'm oh, sure yeah. it flies fast as shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. <laughs> The other thing is, like, it was too predictable. Like, I was able to call what happened in Game of Thrones for the first time since they went off page of the books. Mm -hmm. Like, I read the book, so I knew what was coming for the first few seasons. And that's kind of like, okay, yeah, pat on the back. I called some of this stuff, but something I like about Game of Thrones is the unpredictableness. Like... Oh my God! They killed Ned. I thought he was the dude through and through. <laughs> right. Okay, dude. but they they definitely won't kill Rob Stark. He's the gonna be the hero. He's good. No, they fucking killed Rob Stark. <laughs> and honestly, it's erring a little bit on the side of feeling a little fan fictiony to me at times. Okay. Where like I don't know. Where like <sighs> I don't know, man. I it's hard for me to. I loved the season, but I didn't love it as much as I wanted to in the end. Okay. The performances and stuff were great. Still love the characters. Amazing moments. Don't get me wrong. I mean, good Lord, that, that, uh, attack on the Lannisters with the dragons oh, and stuff. Phew. Amazing. The last episode, really good. I'm really looking forward to next season because I think we're going to see a lot of neat little team ups and characters like, Jamie is going to be in the north with people that fucking hate him. Exactly. Except for Brienne. Except for him. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, we're going to finally get to see John meet up with um, Arya and Bran again. I think that's going to be cool. Um, I really hope that whole scene at the end with Tyrion watching the door as they fucking Mm -hmm. bumped 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 Nessie's. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Nephew and uglies. Uh-huh. Uh, I hope they're not going to do like a Tyrion 
is jealous of John's storyline because I feel like it would be a waste of time with the amount of episodes we got left. I'm mm-hmm. hoping it's he's more upset from like this is a bad idea. Yeah, from a, like, a strategical standpoint. Yeah, right. I hope it's not a jealousy thing. But I almost also kind of feel like they're setting it up to be a jealousy thing because Tyrion had that whole conversation with her about like dudes that fall in love with her and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I read somewhere, I, I read something interesting that they talked about the only true person that has treated Sansa well and should end up with her is Tyrion. Yeah. yeah that would be interesting does. to me. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. would be interesting. That would be pretty cool. Uh, that's another that's another meetup I'm looking forward to seeing is Tyrion and Sansa. Yeah, me too. Again. Me too. Um, and they are they are already married. I'm not trying to be too hard on it. It's just I and guys, I feel for these guys. They're running into the same problem George is running into. Like this is a massive story and you got to wrap it up somehow. They don't have the luxury of years and years of writing a novel. And clearly George is having a problem with it. Mm-hmm, you don't yeah. take this long if you have the story 100% in your head, you know? Oh, exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. It, it will be interesting to me once it's all said and done, and hopefully George lives long enough to complete the series. See, that's the issue, to yeah. See, to see how much of this is stuff he told them, because we know he did give them some basic ideas of what happens past the books. Yeah. I would like to I'm looking forward to seeing like what he gave them and what was sort of what they came up with and then see if some of the stuff that I'm not a super huge fan of uh, came from him or if it came from the creators. Yeah, that should be interesting when we find out at the end. But, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I was like, there's some things that I even predict and I said out loud to these guys and I felt so happy. But then I'm like, well, that that was pretty predictable when mm-hmm. they when they got stuck on the ice. First thing I said is. Oh, this, this is how is. they're going to get the damn dragon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's it's going down this way, and for it to happen exactly the way that we thought, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, Game of Thrones is usually not that predictable, but the scenes there were memorable, memorable scenes. Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're I know, was. like, I can seem like kind of a naysayer and a pessimist. This is also me. Uh, my buddy Steve, who comes on Blue Harvest a good bit, he's uh in Stone Cobra that does our. Oh theme yeah, song. he's awesome. Uh, he is a massive Game of Thrones fan. Game of Thrones is his Star Wars. Okay. He's been reading those books since they came out. He used to talk to George R. R. Martin on AIM Instant Messenger. Oh, my wow. God. Like, he's been a fan <laughs> for a long time. He got me into the books, right? He was like, my favorite books are being turned into a show. You should read these. Talking with him, like... He's like me with with Game of Thrones where and and I am with Star Wars where I'm predisposition to like it. You know what I mean? Like I like the prequels even though there's some goofy shit in them, you know? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> we're we're completely like, biased. Yeah. Right. And and when he is having some of these issues, it makes me go, "Ooh, maybe a little <laughs> sloppy. Maybe they're getting a little sloppy and I don't know. I'm hoping I'm being very optimistic for this last season i wish it wasn't gonna take so long but if the if it's taking so long because they're trying to get it like perfect and get it right then i'm all for it okay great yeah I'm, we're really excited too bad we have to wait till 2019 oh, to, man. to see a fucking episode but again i want to see it i hope my dream comes true that we get to see the last one in a movie theater two it's hours oh. two hours long that's not gonna <laughs> yeah. happen i know but that would be really epic cool. imax Oh, that would be amazing. 
It would make a shit ton of money, too. It would. I'm telling you. So, okay. Well, thank you, Haas, for breaking that down, man. I appreciate it. We didn't have you on during the, the season, but you were always with us when we were talking. Oh, yeah. No, thanks, Definitely. buddy. In spirit. Now, let's talk about real quick. I mean, I'm not going to, uh, we're not going to talk about this too long because I'm sure you're pretty sick of talking about this. Um, <laughs> but let's talk a little Star Wars. Not that you're sick of talking about Star Wars, but let's talk about Mr. Colin Trevorrow getting the old axe and the lack of faith was disturbing to. Huh. You get that? You get that, boo? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, uh, all the, it seems like all the directors right now, uh, in Star Wars. But, uh, let's talk a little bit about this. What do you, what's going on here? And what do you think, uh, you have a big problem with this? I don't personally have a problem with this. I put my faith into Kathleen Kennedy. I trust her. George trusted her. So if she thinks things aren't going the right way, I will, you know, be on her side until I see them fuck up something royally. And to me right now, they haven't fucked up royally. And I've heard you on Rogue One and I heard you on Blue Harvest. But uh, what do you on, let our listeners know what you think about what is going down with Lucasfilm and, and this directing problem they're having? All right. I'm going to take what may be sort of an unpopular stance here. Okay. Um, but I on a baseline, I totally agree with you until they give me a bad Star Wars movie. I'm just going to assume they're doing what's best for my favorite franchise. Mm -hmm. They haven't given me a bad one yet. For all accounts, The Last Jedi is looking pretty spectacular. Disney and Lucasfilm seem pretty stoked on it. Ryan Johnson seems like a great guy. Really done a lot to win over the fan community. Yes. (laughs) My main point is I'm just glad they got rid of this dude before production started this time. You know, like Mm -hmm. at least it wasn't in the middle where they were like, shit, we got to bring someone else in to do reshoots. So that's positive. Uh, I personally feel like that if you were given the opportunity to work in the Star Wars universe, you got to play ball. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but Vulture put out an article, I believe yesterday, about the whole Colin Trevorrow thing. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm right. Yep. (laughs) It kind of point, painted him to be kind of a dick mm-hmm. where it, like where he was just being stubborn, wasn't playing along. Like, I understand as a director, you want to have your artistic control and make your mark on Star Wars. On the other hand, though, there's no such thing as a director that's bigger than Star Wars. Does that make sense? Like Star Wars is going to be bigger than the people who are making it. Absolutely. And. So if I were Colin Trevorrow, I would just be stoked that I was being allowed to make Star Wars. If they didn't <laughs> like what the direction I was going in, I would be like, well, help me work on this. Let's come to a compromise. Because at the end of the day, you are going to be making a movie that is, with all intents and purposes, probably going to be a billion dollar plus box office draw. That's whether, right. whether you got to control every little piece of that doesn't matter because after you do that that is like a blank check to make your next movie you know what i mean oh yeah. that's when you go in and you make your passion project and for me working like if i was given the chance working on star wars in that collaborative ep- uh, like environment that they're trying to foster that would be a passion project for me i think that was a passion project for ryan johnson and the vulture article basically painted Trevorrow and the the Lego directors, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, as sort of younger directors that got 
too big for their own shoes too quickly. Yep. yep. And like, you gotta step back the ego a little bit. I think a perfect example of this is the Russo brothers that work for Marvel. They played ball. They made mm-hmm. Winter Soldier amazing. Civil War amazing. Those two movies were so amazing that Marvel was like, you know what, guys? We're going to give you the tent pole culmination of our cinematic universe. Right. We're going to give you the, you know, Avengers three and four. Now, when the Russos are done with Marvel, they're going to be able to do whatever they want. You know, hopefully it's good. I, I wish them nothing but the best, but they're going to be able to get pretty much any movie they want made. And, you know, unless in the off chance that in the Infinity War movie and four are bad, like really bad, they're going to they're going to have carte blanche, do whatever they want. And then they can step out. They can make, you know, a weird movie or whatever their heart desires. I just think it's silly that. And and look, obviously, you've got to put a little blame on sort of the Lucasfilm Kathleen Kennedy side of things. They're hiring these people. They are. You know, they are. And I've heard so, that I've heard that argument before, but at least give them credit for hiring him and saying, "What well, shit? This is not working out." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Best, and the, best, the best yeah. thing is not to just say we're going to let them go. I mean, we're, we're going to let them do what they want. I'm going to make the decision that I made a mistake and we need to move on. Which, exactly. Yeah. And I just want them to calm the fuck down. Like I need, <laughs> I need a couple of Star Wars movies <laughs> to have a smooth production. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it makes me anxious. <laughs> I'm too damn invested, guys. It makes me too oh. anxious when they have these problems. I know how you I, feel, Haas. And I imagine a lot of it's growing pains. Like, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, they did Iron Man. And then, what, three years later, Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk came out somewhere in, in between. The, it was a slow ramp up to what they're doing now with a couple of movies every year. Oh, yeah. Star no, they're Wars. Barreling, dude. Yeah. Star Wars got sold to Disney in 2012. Three years later, we had The Force Awakens, and every year since then, we've had a Star Wars movie. So I imagine there's a little bit of growing pains, too, in getting this machine going, and I just hope it smooths out. Yeah, and and the thing is, I I don't understand what these directors are, first of all, thinking. Like you said, build the equity with your movies that you're making right now so you can do whatever – like you said, do whatever the fuck you want to do later on. Like Gareth Edwards now – Made a film that made a billion dollars. He played ball. He did whatever they want him to do. He, they, they brought in another director to film a bunch of different reshoots. Fuck, go ahead. It's mm-hmm. fine. Still my name going to be there when it's directed by. And now he has carte blanche probably if another studio comes by. Hey, we're going to give you this film. You direct. We're not going to fuck around with you. Mm-hmm. We you saw what you did with, with Rogue One. And just, it's all yours. It's yeah. all yours, right? So yeah. that's what I don't understand. I don't understand these guys, the, the egos that these, these directors have. And I get that they're artists and they're making their art form, but you got to work at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I mean, they, and look, yeah. look, 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 at, look at Godfather, mm-hmm. right? They, they had a director, a backup director on set at any time because they were going to fire Coppola mm-hmm. throughout the entire film at any moment. Yeah. They were going to bring in another backup director. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking and, Coppola. Yeah. And so like, when you look at Star Wars, okay, George Lucas, Star Wars has been a collaborative effort since Star Wars started. George Lucas brought in his wife, Marsha, uh, Marsh, Marsha Lucas? I think that was her name. 
to edit Star Wars. He worked with her in a collaborative manner. Mm-hmm. She she's long been credited for being one of the people that saved A New Hope because of the editing. From that point on, when he decided not to direct Empire and Jedi, those movies with Irvin Kershner and Rip, Rich, Richard Marquand were very collaborative. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad idea for Star Wars to be a collaborative effort with these people. You know, like the story group and yeah, the directors sure. and stuff. And no disrespect to Colin Trevorrow, but like... Safety not guaranteed. I thought that was a good movie. Am I rushing out to add it to my collection? No, but I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World. Once again, I thought it was good. Don't really get that much of a desire to rewatch it, though. Right. You know, I thought it was good. I yeah. don't see. And it made an ass load of money. That's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Yes. I don't yes. see where after that you go, well, I'm going to be the boss on Star Wars. You know, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they even had uh, a a quote from him back, I think, a couple of years ago where he talked about how his way of directing can be very arrogant and mm-hmm. he has to make sure he toes the company line sometimes and doesn't go over that line. Well, this is what he said. Directors require a level of confidence that can border on the delusional. <laughs> you have to push it right up to the edge of arrogance, but never cross the line. I guess he fucking crossed the line. Sounds see, like it. Yeah. yeah. See, but the thing that I, I I I can't get is that these people forget, the, you know, the directors and other things like that. You are an employee. Yeah. You're That's getting right. A, you're getting a paycheck. That's what I'm from saying. your boss. Yes. I understand. You, I understand. You have a creative process. You have your own ideas. But when it comes down to it, you are an employee. You might not be a peon. I'm not going to call you that. But you have superiors above you who make the final decision. That kind of thing, and and I think it. I I understand. You know, I'm I'm sure he's correct. You have to have a a certain ego and a certain confidence to be like, yes, this is amazing. This is great. You know, to have a love for it. But when it comes down to it, you're just like the rest of us. We have a boss. You have a boss. There's uh, what is it? Uh, uh, quotas that you have to meet. There's certain things that have to be done in order for the higher ups to be happy, because that's what you're doing. So, you know, the 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 this idea that they have is kind of mind-boggling to me it really is and your boss is the most powerful woman in hollywood yes and she already just fucking sure. can yeah just fucking can yeah yeah. yeah she's already so cracked the whip for her to chop heads exactly at all, the queen yeah. does yeah don't she'll, mess with the queen right. she'll ned stark your ass real yeah. fast yeah exactly or or fucking Arya your ass yeah yeah you don't yeah. want that so just chill man yeah and you don't want to keep like like i agree with haas have a smooth production because you don't want to get into the dc Cinematic no, universe where territory. Like, oh, shit every day. Where yeah. it's just like, new director, new direction, new reshoots, new, uh, new this, well, this new that's that. Well, that's what's becoming right now. Yeah, and it's yeah. not good. You don't want that for Star Wars. This is something that, like, we just talked about. The bar is very high. The bar is set. They're the, like, gold standard. They are the starting line and the finishing line. And when you start getting into these kind of iffy and, and contentious relationships... It starts to change things, and it's just people don't want that. You don't want the community getting angry at people or getting angry at the establishment going, you're fucking up our, our favorite thing. People just make this right and make it nice. We we are heavily invested, and we want a finished product. We're going to pay you regardless. Yeah, yeah. You just want your public to be happy. Too. No, exactly. And one thing that's happening, it seems like, uh, that Han Solo movie, Haas, it seems like that is becoming... 
smoothing out real quick. Mm -hmm. Ever since Ron Howard's come in with his tweets and his things that he's putting up, he has completely quieted all Mm -hmm. the stress and all of that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. That that movie seems like it's flowing right now. And not only that, he's Ron Howard. If there's anyone who can go in and do Mm -hmm. the stand, you know, take a hard stand, it's him. Even he's like, okay, I'm here to clean this up. What do you want from me? Let's get this done. Yeah. And that's it. And, and Haas, a question for you. Doesn't it seem like the cleaning up is way more than a cleaning up right now? With uh, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, they are the, um, as long as these reshoots are going clearly, there's a lot being redone on this yes. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, cause the, just yesterday they were, um, Posting pictures of filming like they're working on the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah, I saw Uh, that. So it looks like it's going to be pretty, um, pretty extensive, which I think is probably a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah, I'm on board with that as well. And I saw a picture of they're going back. I saw the cantina and and most nicely a picture that he put up from the aerial view of the cantina, which was very cool. Pretty awesome. All right. There's some Star Wars news. If you guys want to get more in-depth and things going on in the world of Star Wars, like I do every single week, go to makingstarwars.net, listen to Rogue One, listen to Blue Harvest. They have it all down to science. We just do a little dab just because I love it so much, and we have Mr. Hosburghardt on. (laughs) But if you want some more detailed stuff, definitely go to them. All right, guys. Now it's time to talk a little it time for me to check the fuck out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let me preface this by saying that we are going to spoil the movie so if you haven't seen the movie well let let me just say this if you've if you've read the book seen the miniseries that was on in 1990 on abc Mm -hmm. i believe abc at the time then you can listen to this because we're not it's nothing's going to be spoiled it's nothing really new new yeah if you haven't seen either film or read the book then you might want to skip the next 15, 15, 20 minutes. Tread lightly, yeah. So we are going to put up the spoiler warning right now, and we're going to talk about it and what we thought about the movie. Okay. Haas, I'm going to get your take first, um, and I'm going to go around, especially with Boo, who did not want to watch this (laughs) film, and he was sitting... Well, he didn't sit directly right next to me. He had his he sister buff- with a buffer zone. Yeah, he was fine. He was by me. He was yeah. by you. Yeah, he was. Okay. He was okay. Okay. So, Haz, <laughs> what did you think about this film? Okay. First off, buddy Boo, I would like to tell you. I don't know if Raj told you this, but after I saw it, I texted him and we were talking about it. And the first thing I asked was, "How was Buddy Boo?" How did take it? <laughs> I told him. I did. I told him. Yeah. Because I know, you know, this isn't your bag, these horror movies. It is not, no. Man, was it good to see a good rated R horror movie for once. I feel like uh, it was it was like what I've been looking for. And I really enjoyed it. I did have a couple of very small minor issues with it. Nothing huge. I would I loved it. But there was a little things here and there that um sort of w- raised questions for me especially when it comes to the part two that they're going to be doing mm-hmm. um but i loved it uh, the guy that played pennywise incredible oh, creepy man. as mm-hmm. fuck um the kids were great great and 
I'm really glad because back in the day, like having an ensemble cast of children actors, that could go either way, you know? And then, you know, Super 8 comes out. And I don't know about you guys. I really enjoyed that movie. I love love that movie. It was pretty good. Yeah. I thought the kids were great in that. Then we get Stranger Things, an amazing ensemble cast of kids. And now it, which feels like the granddaddy coming home because, Mm -hmm. you know, clearly the Duffer brothers were inspired by this. You know, they even wanted to make it. Yes. Yes. I read that. I read that. Yeah. And then when they weren't allowed to or or they didn't get the job, they went on to create Stranger Things. So Mm -hmm. it it kind of seems like, and, and this is not taking anything from Stranger Things, but it seems like Stranger Things was the cover. Like, okay, in 1999, I went to see Metallica, right? When they were touring their Garage Inc. album, yeah, the, the album I went to they that did, tour. they didn't play a single Metallica song. Their whole set was covers yep. from Garage Inc. But they had a Metallica tribute band called Battery open for them. <laughs> That's right. Which was yeah. it was really good. That's what it feels like. Stranger Things was like the It cover band, and then the headliner It came out and blew me away. Um, what was you guys's? I I have a very definitive answer to this. What was the scariest scene to you guys? Uh, oh, let me let me think about this. The scariest. I have one right you have away. one right off the bat. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, the very very first appearance of Pennywise oh, in the gutter. In the gutter. Right when his when his face pops up in the gutter, I was like, holy shit! Hi, <laughs> oh, Georgie. What a nice pony. Do you want it back? Um. Yes, please. Look like a nice boy. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Now we aren't strangers, are we? I should get going now. Without your bow? (laughs) That that actually (laughs) terrified me just enough. It gave me enough of a chill. And I was like, I, that's not only, that's not the first appearance. Like, this is, I mean, it's the first appearance. We're not done seeing the rest of him throughout this movie. Oh, you were already scared. Oh, You're yeah. like, ah, oh, I was like, fuck. <laughs> that's just him barely sticking his face out. <clears throat> we're going to get more of this. <clears throat> this is, yeah, it was, it stuck with me for sure. What was that scene uh, where he, he, like, 100 miles an hour comes to the, to, to his, to the kid's face. Like his, his whole face was in the basement. Well, there was a couple. Yeah. There's the, the basement Holy and then shit, in the uh, room with the clowns. With oh, the- and in the library. Oh. In the, and the in the library. library. That's oh, that right. was the library. It was the mm. library. That was when you first um, got the big gist of, oh, yeah. God damn. It was awful. Yeah. My, uh, mine, mine was the one with the basement, the, the flooded basement where yeah. he seizes, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees his little brother. Yeah. We all flood and he starts screaming and then he just launches out of the water and is coming at him. Yeah. And I was like, cause you know, you think run, but you still got to go upstairs. There ain't nowhere to run to. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, he's going to get yeah, him. That was yeah. rough. That yeah, was that, rough. Yeah, that wasn't good. <sighs> um, mine was the scene when they're in the garage oh, watching man. the slides. Oh, and oh like that. when he comes out of the mm-hmm. screen, and like it, it, they did a really awesome job of fl- filming it with the flashes to oh. where like every time he flashed, it would be in a different. I was like, wow. <laughs> For 
from uh, what I remember, it's been a few years. I've read that book like three times, but it's been a few years. I don't think that's in the book, but it doesn't look. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> no. The the creepy goddamn lady with the oh, flute. The God no, damn it. thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm out, y'all. I'm out, out, out. <laughs> Um, Haas, that scene in the garage, you're absolutely, I just got, I just got goosebumps. The, the people in the movie theater almost shit their pants yeah, when that like, scene ah! was done. Yeah. Everybody great. took a deep breath. Like, holy shit. Are you kidding? That scene was ridiculous. I, you just, I just remembered that scene. And the, the, the weird look that he was like a, um, like a puppet kind of. Well, he kind of had screen. like a dog kind of thing and he's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like running around that's, and it was oh, just like running fuck. around terrorizing from one corner of the room to the next corner <sighs> just so back awesome. and forth like i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you and you're like oh shit yeah that was great okay so let me tell you just a couple of the minor issues i had i would have loved for there to have been a little bit more of um mike in the movie yes. mm-hmm. uh it's unfor- like you know that movie was what two hours and five minutes or yeah two hours no, seven minutes two hours, I think right something like that yeah right I get it you know that's a big book we're gonna get more of these characters in the next movie but I could have done with a little more Mike it also kind of bummed me out in the book Mike is the character that knows all about the history of Dairy uh, Dairy it's mm-hmm. not Ben um, and I kind of wish they had kept that because. When he grows up, Mike is the only character that stays in Derry, and he becomes the librarian. He's like the head librarian at the dead. Oh, that's yeah. Right. He's like oh, he's yeah. like the historian yeah. librarian. Yeah. And and when it returns, he's who sort of calls everybody up and reassembles them. He's he's like the Nick Fury. He assembles the Avengers, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. I wonder. It kind of bums me out how they ended Henry Bowers's character. He's the psycho, um, the bully. bully. Fuck yeah. that guy, by the way. Uh, wow. Yeah, he did wow. A great Fuck job. That guy. That guy made me very uncomfortable every he single was, time. He that was that was some screen. vicious bullying, dude. That was borderline mm-hmm. murder. Yeah, and yeah. and it, okay, it was it was vicious in the movie, but in the books, it's ten times worse. Yes, way worse. Or yes. in the books, Stephen King takes it to the next level <laughs> in the book. Um, yeah. But in the book, he survives and actually ends up basically getting framed for all the murders mm-hmm. and gets put into an insane asylum. And then a big part of the adult storyline is him uh, being controlled by Pennywise, breaking out of the insane asylum and coming after the characters. Gotcha. I don't think they're going to do that. They kind of made it seem like he was dead. Uh, if he's not, they should have at least added that into the end movie in some way being like oh did you hear like henry bowers got arrested for all the murders and stuff like that yeah but Haas, we never saw him die and they they alluded to him being possessed obviously while he, when he killed his father so we yeah. never saw him really perish. But, but a mention would be cool or to see like a yeah. headline like a newspaper clipping or something mm-hmm. like that, that but that yeah, we might get that in the second movie though we may get that in the beginning of the second now movie. that'd be pretty cool that, that's a good point. I was reading today because I was wondering, like, how are people going to feel about the second movie when this amazing cast of kids isn't back? Yep. But apparently there's going to be flashbacks that have the kids in them. Yeah, I read oh, that so, as well. I read that as well. You, ha- could, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. I could see them maybe finding a way to write them back into the movie. But, y'all, he fell a really long way. Not yeah, to and he that. got blasted through. Like, Mike basically bull rushed him and shoved him straight down that thing, dude. He bounced off yeah. he did, stone he to stone. Yeah. yeah so, um, 
And then this is not like anything that takes away from the movie, but they didn't do the scariest scene from the book to me in the book. All right. So, you know, the kid that looked like a young Adam driver, his character's yeah, name was uh, Patrick Hockstetter. Yeah. Patrick. Hockstetter. Yeah. The one looked like yeah. Kevin Bacon to me. Mm. Yeah. In the books, he is like a proto serial killer where he goes out to this junkyard and he traps animals in like old fridges and stuff and then lets them suffocate and comes back to look at their dead bodies and stuff. It's real fucked up. Jesus. I'm fine that they didn't do that, but there's this really creepy scene where he goes to open one of those fridges and there's this swarm of like flying leeches <laughs> in there. It terrified me as a kid oh when I first God. read the book. I used to have nightmares about it. And I like, so since that was to me the scariest part of the book, I was kind of bummed that they left that out. One thing that I liked that I thought was interesting. Okay, so you know in the movie, all the kids sort of see their greatest fear. It personifies mm-hmm. himself as the greatest fear. Right. Yes. Uh, Eddie sees uh, the leopard, or leopard, leper. That'd be <laughs> fucked up if you saw leopard. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. In the book, since the kids section is set in the 50s, they all see the universal horror creatures. So like they see the mummy, they see uh, the yes. creature from the black and that's awesome. a werewolf when i wrote the book i thought to myself well i've written some books and i've gotten this reputation as a horror novelist so it will be my final exam uh and i'll bring back all the monsters that i remember from my childhood the ones that i grew up with uh frankenstein dracula wolfman uh the thing from beyond the grave because the entity that is Pennywise focuses on whatever that particular child fears the most. I was thinking about the universal monsters and the ones that scared kids in the 50s. Well, they moved the uh, time frame they had to, to the 80s. To me, that isn't the important thing. The important thing is they kept the core idea that Pennywise gets to these kids by finding out what they're afraid of and being that thing. I can see why they didn't do that, because that wouldn't be relevant to kids in the 80s. No. I would have loved, though, <sighs> if one of them saw fucking, like, Freddy Krueger or oh, Michael yeah. Myers. You know? Like, just a little cameo like that, or even something crazy like an alien from the Alien movies <laughs> or the Predator. You know, Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. But they did do, I don't know if you guys caught this, and the final battle with Pennywise, for a brief second, he did transform into the mummy. And, like, the bandages were coming off his head and wrapping. I can't remember which kid it was, but were, like, oh, yeah, wrapping yeah, he's, themselves. Yeah, he's, he's trying to he's trying to bring him into his face so you can eat him. Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's got, like, the mummy bandages and his face is all mummified and stuff. So th- oh, I thought that was shit. a nice little, like, That's um, a little ode. little ode. Yeah, Easter eggs or stuff. But, like, yeah. man. The kids were great. Beverly, mm-hmm. Bill, all of them. Um, is Eddie his mom? Yikes. Yikes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, very, Not yeah. only his mom, Eddie, but the guy, the pharmacist guy was creepy too. Oh, shit. God, yeah. Oh, goodness yeah. gracious. Just, yeah. The, all the adults were creepy. Beverly's and they had dad? No oh, clue. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Beverly's Whoa, yeah. dad. Yeah. yeah. Beverly's dad. You know, you know, it was interesting that you were talking about how good these kids are. When I got out of the movie, I was thinking, and I said it to, I think, Boo or Lorena. I said, when did kids become amazing actors? <laughs> uh, the level of acting that these kids, not just in this movie, but in Stranger Things or, or uh, the kids in general these days have like stepped up 
Logan. Logan. Yeah. Are, they're, they're, they're just great Jerome. actors now. Mm. Like you can trust children in films now, which in, in the 80s and 90s, you couldn't. No, it was really usually couldn't. one. It wasn't like. You would get that film like Stand It wasn't by an me. ensemble cast You'd like you said. you get like Stand By Me. That yeah, was amazing. Even that cast for Stand By Me, those kids were. They're legends, if you think about it, Well, I mean, it, right? they were amazing in the films, yeah. Well, that too, but I mean, these guys, it's Will Wheaton and River Phoenix and... and Except for Jerry, Jerry O'Connell. Well, like still, geez, these, you know, <laughs> that was like a lightning in a bottle with that group. Right, right. But, but you didn't get that every movie. Nowadays, no, it seems it like is, every little yes. kid actor is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I thought these, these actors made the film. Mm-hmm. They were amazing. They were funny. I love the balance of, oh my God, I'm going to shit my pants or oh my, to, oh my God, I'm laughing hysterically out yeah. loud. The, the, the balance was perfect. The only thing that I thought that they were a little weak on was the music. Mm. I thought you had a chance. It was mm-hmm. the 80s. You had a chance to do some classic 80s rock. or And they had some stuff, but I thought that the music wasn't as predominant as I thought it was going to be. But mm-hmm. th- that means really nothing. The movie was amazing. I came out of there feeling like I was 12 years old again. And if, for a movie to transform me back to that, I mean, Aces, man, five stars. It was just uh, awesome. Just awesome No, film. for sure. It's a game changer. It, it Like Haas said, and, and we're all going to agree, it was a really good movie. Like it was really fun. It was a great experience. It was, I've been having very good experiences in the theater this year. Like I've been going mm-hmm. and enjoying myself and, and coming out with just this euphoric feeling of like, I got told a great story. I got to see a great story on screen. And that for me, that is a big deal because horror has dropped off. It went from traditional monsters like the universal monsters to these slasher films to, in the slasher films, you get guys like Freddy Krueger with the one-liners and they're yucking it up. And, they just, <laughs> and those were great, too. They were great, day. but, you know, it was like almost a comical kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Scream came along and that kind of took us a little back to horror. But this movie right here, other than the paranormal activity, like the first paranormal activity where you were actually riveted and, and you know, holding your seat and white knuckling. Yeah. This actually had a, the right amount of thrills. It had the right amount of fear. It had the whole anticipation was there like you're like oh shit something's gonna go down oh duh and then it happens you're like okay had the right amount of comedy you know you're laughing you go oh yeah I, if i was in that situation i might react that way but then again i might just crap my pants because of a damn <laughs> clown yeah it's oh it was great it made me feel like i was watching this is weird to say i was watching a steven spielberg film hmm. it, not that he does horror but it made me feel like I was watching E.T. Yes. Close Encounters. Yes. It's a really good accolade. You know what I mean? A mm-hmm. Goonies type of film, but a horror version of that. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it is a good accolade. What, Boo, so coming to you, who hates horror films, mm-hmm. what did you think? So let me start off with this. This movie, as far as story-wise, was so good that I want to see the second one. Okay, great. And I've never said that about a horror movie. Right. It, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm excited and, and anticipating seeing, hopefully, the culmination of it all, seeing it again. So, just off of that, it is a very, very good movie. The story's very good. The acting is great. The, the scares aren't, they, they are your normal and not normal jump out scares, but, the way they scare you and the things that they do are very good. It's not, it's not just, you know, Oh God. No, it continues. It's not just that one flash. Yeah. You're like, Holy fuck. You're going to (laughs) die. Oh shit. And you know, some of the stuff that you see and, and the, the fears that the kids have and the way they, um, bring those fears to life were 
awesome. Yeah. The uh the the way the movie looks and everything, all the uh all the CGI scary moments are just really really kick ass. I didn't I didn't really have any uh, any problems with it. I thought the best part of the movie was the banter between the Stranger Things kid and the hypochondriac. Where's the poison ivy? Nowhere. Okay, well, I'm starting to get itchy, and I'm pretty sure this is not Do you use the same bathroom as your mother? Sometimes, yeah. Then you probably have crabs. That's so not funny. Them going mm-hmm. back and forth oh. was so funny. It reminded me of being in junior high yep. and just talking constant shit. Right. That's all you did. Right. You just, <clears throat> just constant, constant, constant crap to each other. So I, I thought that was really great. I, I was wondering how funny when you when you when you told me that other people had seen it and they said it was funny. I was like, yeah. how are they going to make it funny? I, I I didn't really understand, right. and I see how and, and the balance, like you said, was great. Oh, you yeah. know, it was it was really 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 well done because you're not just completely 100 percent scared. Oh shit! You laugh, you giggle, you know, and the jokes were really really funny. Yeah, so it it, it was uh. It was it was a very good movie. The one thing that I, I was wondering is how old is Beverly? Because I I I couldn't tell if she is their age or is she older. I think because, Beverly's a little older. Yeah, because there's there's high school kids within their their they're in junior high and there's high school kids in their school. So I don't know if she's well, in high I, yeah, school. Yeah, I don't or, know if so much if they're in junior high. I think no. they're they're eighth graders, right? So, no, but or, I think it follows the junior high model back then of seventh, eighth, and ninth mm-hmm. grade. And okay. then high school would be tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. So that grade. because because so she could have been a ninth grader along with Henry Bowers. How old are you when you're in, how or what grade are you when you're fifteen? Because the one kid who had the 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 lighter and the uh, and the aerosol thing it, when when his missing thing was up, it said he was fifteen. So that oh. would possibly be freshman going to sophomore year. Okay, yeah. so, so like ninth to tenth yeah. grade. See, because yeah. that that's something else that didn't help me put together how old she is compared to them and you yeah. know that kind of thing because you know she's. She's turning into a woman, so she's got to be like thirteen. They still don't. They dig girls, but they don't. I I don't know. That's yeah, the one. No, that's a good question. That's the one nitpicking uh, thing that yeah. I had. I was like, I I don't, Haas, I don't know. Do you have a? Do you, do you know? Is it, can you shed any light on this one? I don't have uh, a specific answer. I think in the book, at least, they're all the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ben and uh, Beverly had social studies together. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says that, but oh, that's that's right. that, does, oh, that's that doesn't right. necessarily mean they're in the same grade. Right. They could be either. split. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Um, one thing I did not expect them to get into, and they didn't get into it very much, but they did it just enough to, for me to be like, wow, there's this concept in the books of the deadlights, right? And it's sort of what powers it. And you see them like, they kind of do it in the movies like you know when mike is having his nightmare vision of the uh, burnt hands coming through the door and then the door opens and pennywise is floating there and his eyes turn orange yes mm-hmm. yes and then they really did it when he's holding beverly and his face peels back and you see those weird orange lights in his mouth yes mm-hmm. right whirling around they didn't do it much but i was like that's a nice little reference to that one of those weirder elements of the the books and the Stephen King stuff that I was really stoked that they tried to incorporate in some way. And and in the original miniseries that that was out in 1990, I think when they finally beat Pennywise as kids, the light lights actually come out of his head. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, they, they did the 
like a little bit in the the made for TV movie as well. Yeah, yeah they sure. And then the idea is not to look at them, right? It's like mm-hmm. don't, yeah, don't he stare yeah. at the deadlights. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and Tim Curry, his version of Pennywise was a completely different version of. He is more of a slapstick kind of joker from brooklyn or something mm-hmm. and he did a great fantastic job as well and they, i was reading some stuff about it and he had an absolute ball um <laughs> doing pennywise is one of his favorite roles he's ever done and they let him just go off of course and, yeah it's tim curry yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different version this guy the, our pennywise that we got in this film wasn't as funny as like joking around they made no. it more horrific you know yeah I, mean? I i guess what but what you get with this one um was because he's not supposed to be a clown. It is supposed to be a demon or some kind of alien or yeah, something that like just that. Manifests itself yeah, that manifests itself, and you could tell he he really didn't know. Like when he says, "I'm Pennywise, the the the, the dancing, dancing clown." clown. Yeah. yeah, like that kind of thing. And you're like, oh, "Okay, he's just trying to put all the facade together to make it a bigger thing." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and and the fact that he's able to transform himself into whatever he needs to be to scare the shit out of the children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's just the form that he chose to show himself. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. And in the books, he, he just, it's real creepy. There's a couple of, uh, chapters in the books that are from Pennywise's perspective. Right. Right. And he describes the reason he terrifies these kids before he kills them. He describes it as like, uh, seasoning the meat. And oh. that is mm-hmm. creepy. By the way, another really creepy part that I didn't see coming and they did it real quick is when the bullies are holding down Mike and beating him up and Mike looks up and Pennywise is just chilling in the bushes, eating that arm and he winks it at him. No, thank you. Dude, that was horrible. Horrible. Um, You know what we have to do? We have to go see this again because Steven Spielberg said himself he's seen it twice now. Okay. And and by the way, he loves this version. I'm sure my fans will enjoy the movie. Uh, I think they're going to really enjoy the movie. Uh, and I think that some of them will go back two or three times to actually savor, uh, the thing. I, I mean, I went back and saw it a second time and, uh, felt that I was seeing things the second time through that I'd missed the first time. Things oh, right I mean. on. So if Stephen King isn't fucking catching things, uh, yeah, I, we, we definitely have to go see I it. I was, again. I was convinced and I'm sure. I would love some of the Sith heads to let us know. There has to be so many connections to the Stephen King universe. I from thought this movie. so, Les, but I looked up stuff. I couldn't I, find I anything. Couldn't find, but I, the the Bowers name for some reason I keep going to stand by me for some reason when I hear Henry Bowers, and I just keep thinking of something. That's interesting. Thought it was like something with the bullies in that movie in that uh, story. The car is, I think, it's the same model as the one in Cujo. I th- Mom, uh, Eddie's mom's car. I thought, that's what you said. And I, I thought like, I recognized uh, that as well, but I haven't read it. I mean, or this could just be me being now that I'm into these things. I want to start looking for yeah, Easter eggs and right. draw connections. Exactly. I want to think that that cat is general from cat's eye <laughs> and that all he does is just going around getting in all this stuff. Cause that's the idea, right? He's going through all of Stephen King's short stories and mm-hmm. witnessing these things and going around. So. I, I desperately want to connect all of the universe together. Maybe it will come out just with this movie alone. But oh, that's how good it was, and I was just like, "Oh, maybe that." And oh, yeah. So yeah, we definitely need to see it again. Yeah, it was fantastic. So we definitely give it a Sithless seal of approval. Mm-hmm. Every one of us, a big time thumbs up. I know in Rotten Tomatoes it, it had a ninety something, ninety one, ninety two before we saw it. I'm sure it's just going to go up from here. Mm-hmm. 
So it's definitely critically acclaimed. The fans love it. It's made $117 million. And we're going to see a sequel. Now, Haas is right. We have to see the kids in the sequel. You, We can't see the kids like we did mm-hmm. and love them so much and not bring them, bring them back in flashbacks. And the kids themselves have choices of who they want to yes. be portrayed as adults. And there's, it ranges from Chris Pratt to Bill Hader to <laughs> Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. But one thing that the directors and writers agree on, they want Jennifer Chastain as Beverly. Mm. That's what I read. Oh, right Yeah, on. Jessica Chastain yeah. should be Beverly for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to how they portray its real form. We didn't see that's that in right. this one. No. And that's that could be a make or break moment. It's real cheesy in the made for TV movie. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to seeing how they pull it off. I've got faith in them that they'll, you know, do something cool. And yeah, I, have a, I have a feeling, Haas, that they're going to change things up from the movie and the book for this sequel. Just because by the time the sequel rolls around, shit tons of people, I've already talked to people that saw the movie, have already gone by, back and watched the 1990 version. Mm-hmm. You're going to get millions of people reading the books again and, and re- reading them for the first time. I think they're going to do something in the sequel that's going to be completely different. I mean, I think they'll they'll keep much like this. Like this movie didn't follow the book word for word or you know to the t i think it'll be similar in the second movie where you know the basic story and and events are portrayed but yeah there will be some obviously if henry bowers isn't in part two then that's a huge change from the book that won't be in the movie so we'll see on that one but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it and i was reading today i think they're trying to shoot for like a spring 2018 for shooting or starting production oh, of the next one. That's yeah, because you don't want the kids to age out. No, yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking right now. You don't want them to get quickly. older. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. <sighs> so, you know what? Fantastic film. Can't wait for it, too. I am, uh, I'm so pumped up. I've been like reading about yes. it, looking up <laughs> things, trying to find Easter eggs. So, you know, when you do that kind of thing. Well, and you know what happens, too. Anytime a visual version of a, of, of a book like a movie is made out of a book, then the value of that book goes up. Mm-hmm. People will rush mm-hmm. to go buy. Oh, that's, that's what I'm saying. So that's what happened. Like with Lord of the Rings, it was like I, I instantly went and read all of the stuff, yeah. the Hobbit, right. all the Lord of the Rings. People are going to jump of Thrones, on this same thing. thing. Yeah, people are going to jump on this thing. Yeah. And you you watched its uh, sales and downloads of, of it are going to just jump through the roof. And Boo was saying the other day, yesterday to me that if, the number one, number two does as well as number one does. You're going to see a three. They're going to fucking do it. Even though there's not a book that's going to extend to, it. To I know it's not a good idea. Story. I know it's not a good idea, but you're going to see. Yeah. Studios that's just it. the way Why Hollywood not? works. Yeah, I know. Why not? Ah, uh, Okay. So this is how I feel. I don't think they should do it. They could. If they do a three, I think it would be in their best interest not to do. Okay. So this is, what was it? Uh, 89. It was 89 because on the theater we saw that Batman and Nightmare on Elm Street 5 were playing in Derry. Those both came out in 1989. So that would put the sequel, because it comes back every 27 years, in 2016. If they do a three, do not make it in the future 2033 or whatever, right? (laughs) I I think it would be cooler to do a period piece. To go back in time. Yes. If you're going to do an It 3, if you just have to because it's it makes be so a prequel. Two, 
it could so, be, be a prequel, like, you know, and show it during, like, Derry's mining years or something like that. Yeah, and throughout I think the history, actually, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Throughout the history, you know, when they were doing the flashbacks of all the incidents, mm-hmm. they didn't just yeah, yeah. focus in on that one where, like, the Easter egg factory blew up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The base of the town blew up in the right. Easter egg hunt. That, oh, yeah, dude. That's a great idea, Haas. It, that's exactly what they'll do. They already have the storyline to do it. That's actually a great idea. I never thought of that. So a, a prequel to it. That's exactly what's going to fucking happen. Because huh. yeah, if, if this first one's already made 116 million, right. which is, I think, the second biggest R rated movie, just in general, because I think uh, Deadpool had like 132 for an R rated yeah. movie. And this is 116. And then the next one is going to probably make either the same, if not more. You know, the studio is going to say, well, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what that I'm means, saying. yeah, we're going to make a third one. Right. I'm really hoping that much like Deadpool opened the door for these R-rated superhero adaptions, I hope this is sort of the rebirth of the R-rated sort of big event horror movie. Yes. You know? Yeah. And they not all of them will be good. I'll be honest. Like, I can enjoy a PG-13 horror movie. I don't really have anything against them. Those Conjuring movies and stuff are fine. I, I enjoy them, but... There's something just a little better about being able to push that envelope into <laughs> right. that mm-hmm. R-rated territory. And having that in the back of your head while you're in the theater mm-hmm. that it is an R-rated film. Well, yeah, they straight mm-hmm. up blew a kid's head, blew a hole in a little boy's head right yeah. on screen. Jeez, yeah. I was like, oh, no. And it's, and it's not a quick thing. You see him drop. Yes. And you see his it, lifeless body for like a good like 10 seconds. They're like, look oh, at this shit. Yeah. Look at it. Look at it. Oh, now he's going to start moving. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we can leave it. We're gonna end the show off here. Shit, yeah. it's fantastic. It's perfect. People, if you do go see it, you have to see it for Trash Mouth alone. That kid, yeah, oh. Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Oh my is god, goddamn amazing. Dude. Yeah, he is. And one more thing before we end, end end the podcast, Stephen King said that he never made another book because the character Pennywise freaked him out so much, and he didn't want to rewrite him. Oh. <laughs> when Stephen King says that, yeah, yeah. I mean that That's should say something. Big deal, yeah, for sure. Because I was just thinking in my head when Haas said that, I wonder if Stephen King could go back and do a prequel story about it. But we're not going to see that. He doesn't want to. Well, you know what? Hollywood usually just yanks shit from Stephen King any damn way. They just say, fuck it, we're going to do this anyway. Dark Tower. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. I think this this was a fantastic episode. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Before we head out, though, I want to give a shout out to our boys. and, And Haas knows these two fine young gentlemen, Richie and Ollie who have their own podcast now, and it's a show on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. So they do a simulcast kind of thing. And uh, we watched the first episode, and it was fantastic. So great job, Richie and Ollie. Uh, Keep it up, man. And you can find their stuff on YouTube. It's called The Richie and Ollie Show and on iTunes and wherever podcasts are Mm -hmm. enjoyed. Also, next week, we're going to have the great Emily Lindo Lind and Miss Downtown Brittany Brown on our (laughs) Podcasts and they're mm-hmm. from the Canto oh, Bite. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they're from Canto Bite Dispatch, and we're gonna have them both on, and we're gonna have a blast with them. Yes. So it's gonna be great. And at the end, of, well, actually, in the beginning of October, this is cool. I don't even know if I told you guys. I think I did. You told me. I told you. Yeah, we're going to have an October Beer Fest tour de craft beer on our podcast, mm. and we're gonna have the man they call Money Bags <laughs> test out some craft beers. While we test out our craft beers, That's awesome. and we're going to have a podcast with Mike Pappas, and we're going to just talk about geekdom and drink beers. And debauchery and buffoonery will be abound. They will be abound. So we have some cool <laughs> stuff coming up. Some really cool stuff coming awesome. up. Mr. Burkhart, we appreciate you coming on and, and having this great time with us on this podcast. Where can people hear you and find you and all that good stuff? 
you can hear me every Thursday on Rogue One with Money Mike Pappas and Johnny Grasso, and every Saturday on Blue Harvest with my buddy Will. That's right. And those are two fantastic podcasts, people. I know I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say a thousand and one times. Listen to them both. You don't have to even be a Star Wars fan to like both podcasts. They're just great guys, and they do great work. And so make sure you listen to them wherever podcasts are provided. Um, okay, guys. So we are going to wrap this thing up. Thank you for everybody, and thank you for your support and listening. And we are going to catch you on episode number 58 of The Sith List. Because I'm having a good time, having a good time. Shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. Racing car passing by like Lady Godiva. I'm gonna go, go, go. There's no stopping me. I'm burning through the sky. Two hundred degrees, that's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. I'm traveling at the speed of light. I wanna make a supersonic man out of you. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. Good time. Just give me a call. Don't stop me Cause now. I'm having a good time. Don't stop me yeah, I'm having a good time. I don't want to stop at all. I'm a rocket ship on my way to Mars on a collision course. I am a satellite. I'm out of control. I'm a sex machine ready to reload. Good time, I'm having a ball.